Ladies and gentlemen, we have major breaking news that happened just within the past uh, half an hour or so. I'm sure most of you know because you clicked this video. We're live here. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Supreme Court Justice, has passed away. She was 87. Rest in peace. Um, we have a lot to talk about. Donald Trump will now have to, to select a new Supreme Court justice. And there is a lot to unpack. Potential uh, riots, protests. The, who are the Supreme Court picks? I can't, I'm, I'm shocked this is happening right now. I mean, it was, uh, it, it, with all due respect, a lot of people were worried this day was going to come, but it was fairly reasonable to assume. I'm trying to be very delicate because I, I really do mean it that Ruth Bader Ginsburg was a strong individual. She was she, she broke ground in a lot of ways. And I have tremendous respect for anybody who, who gives their life to serve this country, even if we disagree. But uh, uh, her time did come and she passed away. Donald Trump now has a, a bunch of uh, people he wants to pick. And there are many of them, if not all of them, that could lead to protests is put, that's putting it lightly. I mean, most of you probably remember what happened with Brett Kavanaugh. The smears, the, the media cycle, the pounding on the doors. That was pretty intense. We are, not, we are less than two months away from one of the most important presidential elections probably ever. I mean, at least for us in our lifetime. And this dropped just right now. So it's hard to know who this is going to energize more. Republicans or Democrats, but uh, we have a lot to break down and we'll figure it out. So we, we are we are lucky to be joined by political commentator Drew Holden, the spooler of threads on Twitter. You, Thank you, sir. Yeah, you have a bunch of insightful threads talking about various political issues. And so we were just going to talk regular news. We were like, it'd be we really were. it'd be really great to have Drew. Um, I've shared your threads on Twitter before. You're uh, pretty insightful. And uh, and then this happened and we were we were getting ready for the show when the news dropped and it was just kind of like getting punched in the gut. And I'm not saying like, you know, it's I'm not, I'm not saying that to be like I was, you know, devastated by it emotionally, just like it was a shock. Like, yeah, right now it just happened. So we should just uh, uh, dive into this. There's a lot to go over. Um, of course, make sure you smash the like button, subscribe, share this stream if you like the show, because that's that's how we do it. We, we don't have a marketing budget. It's word of mouth. If you think this is a, is a good show, an important stream, please share. Of course, we're joined also by at Sour Patch Lids, yes, hello. I'm the, the producer, the and we have, uh, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll just say it for a millionth time, a lot to go through. So let me just, we'll do the news first and foremost, and then we, we're going to start breaking this down. From NPR, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, champion of gender equality, dies at 87. I'm going to show you her uh, one of her, her I'm going to show you her dying wish that NPR is included that I was shocked to hear. According to NPR, they say just days before her death, as her strength waned, Ginsburg dictated this statement to her granddaughter, Clara Spera, quote, my most fervent wish is that I will not be replaced until a new president is installed. Okay. <laughs> that is shockingly 2020, yep. and uh, uh, we're, we're, we're going to start getting into, we're, we're going to lighten up in a little bit. I want to make sure we're being respectful and delicate as we talk about her losing her life for sure, but we're going to uh, uh, lighten up and talk about the future in a second, but I just want to say, I'm, that, that quote to me is uh, it's bordering on the absurd. I, I can't, it's, it's almost shocking that they, that's the statement that was put out, but uh, let me just read a little bit. They say, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg the demure firebrand who in her 80s became a legal, cultural and feminist icon has died. The Supreme Court announced her death, saying the cause was complications from cancer. Architect of the legal fight for women's rights in the 1970s, Ginsburg subsequently served 27 years on the nation's highest court, becoming its most prominent member. Her death will inevitably set in motion what promises to be a nasty 
and tumultuous political battle over who will succeed her. And it thrusts the Supreme Court vacancy into the spotlight of the presidential campaign. She knew what was to come. Ginsburg death, Ginsburg's death will have, a prof- will have profound consequences for the, country, for the court and the country. Inside the court, not only is the leader of the liberal wing gone, but with the court about to open a new term, Chief Justice John Roberts no longer holds the controlling vote in closely contested cases. Though he has consistently conservative, uh, though he has a consistently conservative record on most cases, he has split from fellow conservatives in a few important ones. This year, casting his vote with liberals, for instance, to at, uh, to at least temporarily protect the so-called dreamers from deportation by the Trump administration, to uphold a major abortion precedent, and to uphold bans on large church gatherings during the coronavirus pandemic. But with Ginsburg gone, there is no clear court majority for those outcomes. Now, the most important thing that needs to be mentioned as we enter an election cycle that will likely be disputed is that the Supreme Court now skews conservative, very likely meaning if this if if uh, if, if we go to a contested election and the court must decide, I think they're going to side with Trump. And what do you, what, well, I'm 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 a bit I'm a bit. <laughs> look, we, 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 we got 50 billion stories here. We've yeah. got who's who's Trump going to pick Amy Coney Barrett conservative. What will the left's reaction be? Let me just ask you right away, uh, just off of uh, your general your general reaction, both you guys. Let's just get into it. Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, obviously, you, the prayers are with her family uh, and the repose of her soul. And, you, you know, she, she'd been battling cancer for a long time. And I think NPR hit the nail on the head when they talked about her being a cultural icon. Right. And I, I, I don't think I'm going to blow anyone's mind when I say that I don't necessarily agree for the sorts of things she stood for to be a cultural icon. But right. I think it's important to recognize that she is. And I mean, I think this is. You know, we, we chat about it a little bit before the show, but this is going to be an enormous gut punch to millions and millions of people across the country. And I think for a lot of people, that'll be the cultural and, you know, cultural import. But Tim, I think you're right. I think one of the biggest things that might get overlooked here is if there are people who don't believe in the integrity of the Supreme Court as a result of her leaving, which I think a lot of people wrongfully will, we're going to have to deal with that on Election Day. Careful. Pounding. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, it's not just that they would side with Trump if, if it goes if the if the vote gets contested. We're looking at a mail in we're looking at mail in ballots. I've talked to my progressive friends. They think it's totally safe, and they don't know anything about the stories that have emerged. Like in in Patterson, New Jersey, for instance, they voided the election. There is something like a million primary ballots have been discounted or were late. The New York Times right. reported this. Uh, in Baltimore, I think it was 68,000 ballots were held for five days, but the Postal Service wasn't delivering them. There have been numerous errors. And now they might side with Donald Trump, the court. However, the left might view it as illegitimate. Yep. But the court's missing the key vote. Right. How can it? And what if they split? What if it goes 4-4? Four, four? If it goes 4-4. Four, four. I mean, what, what do you do, <laughs> oh, man, do you do? dude? And I mean, I think we, you know, you, you can come into it to, to the election and say, hey, even if, you, even if you're someone who is worried about it, then at least we've got the Supreme Court to be able to moderate this thing. And now we don't know that we'll have the numbers. And if we do have the numbers, you're right. I mean, think about it. Like, we, uh, we saw how upset people were in 2016. And now imagine all of those people not only are upset, but they're also thinking that the results of the election are illegitimate and that they're not fair and that, of course, it's Donald Trump's fault. And then... So so the election breaks. Mail-in voting is contested on both sides. On election day, Donald Trump landslides. It's called the red mirage. Republicans are going to go vote, go vote in person. Democrats vote by mail. That means on election night, Trump wins in a landslide. Yep. Over the next several days, the Democrat votes start pouring in, and then it flips to Joe Biden. Donald Trump then starts contesting some of these mail-in votes, saying some were discounted, some were counted that shouldn't have been. Those voters, those signatures don't match. Yep. You know, we saw in Pennsylvania, they ruled, 
signature verification out the window. Right. They now can't disqualify a vote if the signature doesn't match, arguing they should be able to give the voter a chance to fix it. So what? It takes two months to fix all the votes? Not going to happen. Trump's going to sue. Joe Biden's going to sue. It's going to go to the Supreme Court. And what if it goes 4-4? I don't think it would because they lost Ruth Bader Ginsburg. But Roberts... I was, that's Roberts the other thing too, liberal. it's Roberts. And I think conservatives have, have learned their lesson time and time again that Roberts is not some sort of stalwart conservative that, that we should put our faith him. in. Yeah. Could, yeah. You, could you imagine if it finally goes to the court and they go 4-4 on this? What do you do? I don't even know. That's the other thing too is I don't, you, you would have legal fights about how to resolve the legal fight. The Supreme Court is not in a position to actually solve the problem with only eight members. Trump needs to appoint someone now and this person needs to be confirmed now, 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 now. The problem with that, though, is that the left is going to be... We, we, we were talking about the White House siege, right? Yeah. Did you hear about this? Pro- oh, okay, yeah. So for those that aren't familiar, a group called Adbusters, the magazine, had put out a call for... Uh, what, it was a 50 days of protest called the White House siege in front of the White House. It was supposed to be nonviolent, but I guess nobody was buying it because they called it a siege. So they changed it to 50 days of improvisational jazz because they really did not want violence. I can respect that. Peaceful protest is cool. It's cool. Sure. But it was announced by the General Assembly, the activists in D.C., that due to Donald Trump, they would be canceling the the event because they felt like free speech speech was under attack and all that stuff. If there was anything that could ignite a legitimate 50-day siege, and I don't mean like jazz or nonviolent protest. I mean, quite literally, people shaking the fences. They were pounding on the doors yep. of the Supreme Court when Brett Kavanaugh was getting it. Was, uh, it was the Supreme Court or what building was it? Um, I think it was in the Senate, wasn't it? The Senate. It? The yeah, Senate they, they were trying to get into the Senate building. Right, they yeah. were banging on the doors. Yep. Oh, here it comes. And, that, and I mean, obviously, the Kavanaugh appointment was huge and it was historic. It was important, but it's it's it pales in comparison. I mean, it's not even close. Like this is there, we've never had something like this in terms of a Supreme Court appointment. And so, yeah, I, I think everything's out the window. And on top of that, you've got all of these people, be they political or otherwise, who have been cooped up for six, seven, eight months. Oh, man. All they dude. want to do is get out of the house. Are we in a simulation? You it's, know? Yeah, it's, we were talking I'm, about this I'm, too. I'm half kidding. I'm only half kidding. It's I mean, heavy handed. If it is, it's too much. Would you say the writers of 2020 yeah, were the, bold to put this right before the election? It's, it's like you gotta you gotta rein in the audience a little bit more, <laughs> right? We've got we've got the election coming up. We're not even into December, and if you're gonna throw something that big out, already knowing you've got a planned election coming up in one of your episodes in the future, Dude. the writers are, are ham fisted at this point. In my no, book. no, I kind of feel like it's a it's Game of Thrones early season worthy, yeah. where like you're watching and all of a sudden you're like, no way they just killed oh how did they kill the that red wedding yeah yeah exactly. the red wedding they exactly. killed everyone yes. this is our red wedding but but i mean at least <laughs> well the democrats least, are saying that you can, oh god seriously but you can at least you can put the book down you can turn the tv off this is life i mean i'm i'm gonna go back to i'm gonna go back I to my know. apartment in dc and it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be protests it's gonna be court you know cordoned off city streets it's you know and i really want to stress uh i know there's a lot of partisan people npr says it's going to get nasty I have I have tremendous respect for Ruth Bader Ginsburg, man. I really do. She she battled that cancer like one of the strongest one of the strongest people uh, I've ever seen suffering from uh, you know the, the illness, and she kept she kept winning and she and she 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 uh, she uh, withstood it for as long as she possibly could, and it yeah. was impressive. It was remarkably impressive, and I think she had pneumonia too. Yeah, at some point, she something did. like that. Yeah, she was hospitalized. I think once, maybe a couple times. I was impressed with the sheer willpower, and as much as, like you mentioned, you know, look, we don't have to agree with her politically. In fact, right. we can very much disagree and be worried oh, yeah. about her politics. But uh, I, th- I think, you know, look, we, we we are Americans first and foremost. 
And that sheer willpower to try and stand throughout the election was impressive. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, I know a lot of people are probably happy that Trump will not get to make an appointment. But I, I hope people recognize we can be, you know, sad to see her go and, and prayers and respect to her family and all that while still being like, OK, you know, without reveling in that, yep. mm-hmm. you know, we're looking to the future and, and what's going to come next. And uh, already we're seeing uh, a lot of photos popping up of who comes next. Yeah. So first and foremost, let me see. Uh, we have uh, this photo right <laughs> oh, here from yeah. uh, Cassandra Fairbanks tweeted just this photo. And uh, we all know what it is. It's it's Amy Coney Barrett. So uh, I believe Trump will appoint her. We can also see this. Take a look right here. Trending politics. 2.69 million tweets. No, no, no. <laughs> We got to be we got to be careful oh, because we are going to have a lot of laughter going on here at the expense of many of the people on the left. Yes. And I, I want to, you know, just say it's like, you know, it, it's not at the expense of Ruth Bader Ginsburg in any capacity. Mm-mm. But uh, seeing the reaction now, nearly th- what, 2.7 million tweets of no, no, no. What did you just say? It was like it's like Hillary, Hillary Clinton election night all over. Yeah, it's, it's going to be that times a thousand. Right. It's it's going to be the I'm sure you all remember that image of the, the individual wailing at the person. sky. Yes. Right. Yeah. That was the inauguration, I think it was. Yeah. yeah or yeah. was it? I, I thought it was when they called the election. Was it? But I could be wrong. I, I could be wrong. too. I but don't know. but it's it's going to be that. And I mean, you know, we, we were talking before, like it's it, it feels almost a little bit crass to have to dive into what the political implications of this are but the political implications are enormous you can't escape them especially with especially with what 46 days to the election who did who did trump uh, trump chose a handful of people for his new list and he included do you, I, I know he chose tom cotton because i'm going to mention his quote in a second yeah but you know who some of the other picks were that- um yeah so comey barrett i think was on the list uh, mike lee from utah i believe was on the list there's one other senator i think as well Wasn't it, Cruz? it was yeah, Cruz. Yeah, yeah. it was Ted Cruz, who like in his own respect is a pretty impressive constitutional law scholar by all indications yeah, yeah, yeah. and so like these are it's complicated because they're political right but they're they're people with serious uh, at least legal bona fides if not judicial bona fides um, and then there were a number of other people on there who I think are, are circuit court judges. Um, and then there were a few. I think there was a big push among a lot of conservative legal advocates who were fighting for Clarence Thomas clerks. Right. People like oh, there's, wow. there was a big push um, after especially after, you know, Gorsuch, I think, had made a couple of decisions that folks didn't like. Kavanaugh's made a couple of decisions people didn't like. And so there's been a big push by a lot of a lot of the legal talking heads in D.C. to say, you know what? The only one we can trust is Clarence Thomas. And the only people we should be putting on this list is are people who have clerked for him. Well, so uh, a lot of people think he's going to choose uh, Amy Coney Barrett and I think I I would I would have to say so. Now, b- before we get into it, we, we can actually pull up uh, some information about her because, again, people think it will be her. He selected one of the people on his short list was Tom Cotton. And then he and then you, we saw, I think some of these other people said, I, I appreciate it. I have no interest in leaving the Josh Senate. Holly, yeah. Josh, yeah. Josh Holly. Yeah. And uh, and Ted uh, and, and Tom Cotton said that. What does he say? The days of Roe v. Wade are numbered. or something? Yeah, exactly. He's like, well, the days of Roe v. Wade should be over. And I would be <laughs> he also said I, I would be honored to serve my country. And he's like, as someone who has served their country for a long time, I'd be honored to serve my country in any capacity. Ooh. If he's gunning, he's gunning. You if, like- if Trump picks Tom <laughs> Cotton after Tom Cotton said that. It is going to be war in D.C. Like you, 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 you I'm, I'm I, I we've talked about conflict before. We've talked about civil unrest. But Tom Cotton straight up said it. Days of Roe v. Wade are, are numbered or something to that effect. Yeah. If if Trump says, yeah, Tom Cotton and they, they and they say he's moving forward and, and they set up a Senate confirmation within a month of the election, it is going to be. It's impossible to overstate what that would look like. I know. I don't even I don't even I'm, I'm scared to say what I think it would result in. And don't forget, Tom Cotton 
is persona non grata enough to the left that yeah. when he wrote an op-ed voicing an opinion that is shared by I almost remember. 60% of Americans, you had the guy who runs the op-ed page resign and you had a you had a, a an, staff a, revolt. Yeah, you had a staff revolt not just at the New York Times but everywhere. There are other people who backed him up who lost their jobs, right? It, it's it rolled journalism in an insane way. That was over an op-ed. Take a look at this from the hill. Tom Cotton, after Trump names him potential Supreme Court nominee, quote, it's time for Roe v. Wade to go 100. I'm, I'm estimating, but it's 100. I'm rounding up 110,000 shares on the Hill from September 9th. I, I, I got to say, man, when you make a joke about this, the 2020 season writers, you mean to tell me that Donald Trump put out a list a week ago where the guy said Roe v. Wade's out. Ruth Bader Ginsburg dies a week later. If he picks this dude and the Supreme Court is split four to four with with uh, Robert siding with the liberals against Trump and there's no clear winner and no way to resolve this. Yeah, this is an existential crisis for this country, man. And this is an existential crisis if everything goes well between now and then. (laughs) Right. I think one of the things that unfortunately we've we haven't always done a great job of in 2020 is recognizing that it always gets worse. Right. It only like it it only gets worse and deeper in ways we don't understand or expect. What if coronavirus comes back worse? (laughs) Oh, in, no. in the fall and winter, what if what if what if flu season makes it? Right, worse? Dude, There's so much, dude. The aliens are coming. The the, the ship's gonna <laughs> land in a week, and we're gonna be like, thank you. As a DC resident, <laughs> um, if Tom Cotton and don't be wrong, I love Tom Cotton, huge Tom Cotton fan. I've been I've been boosting him for a long time. If he gets nominated to the Supreme Court and the protests start, I think I'm rooting for for aliens to show up. <laughs> I think that I think that would probably make my day to day life a lot easier. Let me let me tell you, dude. Uh, a while uh, a while ago. Or beginning of the year, I started looking at properties far away from cities, and I found one, and it was very, very difficult to set up and buy, and we're officially set up. Uh, as soon as we wrap up this show, we're hopping in a car, driving for several hours, and I'm going to wake up at the new facility. We're going to start setting up the new studio because I do not want to be anywhere near these cities. And after, look, we can talk about Antifa. We can talk about the Proud Boys, yeah. and I lived in New York. People were planting bombs. Like There was just crazy people. So I wanted to get away from these cities as the political tensions flared up. But this is the sharpest spike in emotional shock we have seen in the entire year. Yeah. Like everybody knew it was coming. It was a it was a time bomb. Mm-hmm. And now it's dropped. And it dropped a week after Trump, Tom Cotton said, it's wait, 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 wow, man. I'm telling you, if you were if you were writing 2020 as a show and all you were trying to do is freak your your show watchers out, that's what you do. I mean, I don't know what you would do different. And one of the one of the other problems with the two is it comes at a time when people are already emotionally frayed. Everyone right. is burnt out. Everyone is worn down. They're worn down by politics. They're worn down by coronavirus. They're worn down by the lockdown and everything else swir- swirling around it. And now you throw this into the mix. I got to say, I'm kind of freaking out, man. Yeah, me too. This is this was like, so uh, uh, for those that are listening, we, we're, we're sitting here. I had like a Gatorade and we were like <laughs> making jokes. And I was like, I think we're going to talk about, you know, there's this thing with Joe Rogan. That's really interesting. And then all of a sudden I see the tweet breaking. It Wait, was what? What's here's up? what you did. So you opened up Twitter and you're like, all right, so what are we going to talk about? And you were like, oh, I felt like it was the cartoon. No, I think I said, of- oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, my God. I put my hands on my head and I was like, oh, my God. And, th- and then, and like, then Lydia's like, what, what happened? Wrong? And I was like, Ru- Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. And I was like, oh, this is, oh my God. This is crazy. And you started it by saying, what's the biggest story of the day? Yeah, and we, uh, Lydia and I were like, kick, we're like yeah, kicking yeah, around our heads. Yeah, we're like, I don't know, man. I mean, this Rogan thing's big. Like, there's, there's a few other things going on. I think, I, what was it? Chris Rock said something like that. That was <laughs> yeah. the kind of news we were kicking around. It's like, I think yeah, Chris Rock this, is a, this, is a big, this is a big news. And you, yeah, hands on the head. And you were like, 
I was I was like I'm a like, former OC actress from that TV show <laughs> yeah, came yeah. out in support of Trump. <laughs> right, which is cool. That, that was it. Yeah, and I was like, we're gonna have a fun conversation about like walk away and like never Trumper and stuff. And uh, but but here, check this out. This is what's this is what's happened. So over on Twitter, we have the trending tab. Number one is Rip Ruth Bader Ginsburg mm-hmm. with, with with absolute respect. Number yep. two is Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Nearly five hundred thousand tweets, followed by Supreme Court. McConnell, Ooh, notorious yeah. RBG, rest in power, rest in peace, RBG, not RBG, rip RBG, rip Ruth, Kavanaugh, and then Puerto Rico, which is still big news, and then it goes to Rosh Hashanah and a bunch of other things, but then it goes back to Murkowski. Like, uh, anyway, the point is, look, Tom Cotton's trending, Roe v. Wade is trending, mm-hmm. no, 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 with, with now nearly three million tweets is trending. trending. Amy crazy. Coney Barrett trending, Moscow Mitch, RB, the entire trending tab. Uh, 29 trends, yep. save for like four things are, uh, are that, well, first of all, it's all politics except for Rosh Hashanah. Mm-hmm. And then everything else is political. Puerto Rico is not related to Supreme Court. So it's like 27 of 30 trends are all the Supreme Court. This is the most uh, significant political development of the year, I'd say, right? It, it has to be. And think about the, how insane that is. Of Trump's. Uh, yeah. Think about how well, insane that is. That this, that that we, up until... 45 minutes ago, we had not seen the most insane political story we're going to see this year. Yeah, that's funny to me because we were just kind of lamenting how crazy this year had been. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, this lockdown, this crazy stuff. If I could go back in time and tell myself, you know, coronavirus is it is what it is. I mean, we have no uh, idea. The great the great triggering is upon us. Yeah. The no, no, no Twitter trend. Three million people saying no, no, no. And they're posting memes of like, you know, a, a guy wincing wearing a trump hat like oh no trump's gonna do it he's gonna nominate somebody of course he is but he has he has to yes and that's the other thing too is i think if if it were more normal times right and and potentially with a a more normal president i think what we would all be saying right left center is oh god we can't we, we can't go into this election without a full supreme court we have to have an odd number of people to make whatever decisions come up we're at 50 different state elections that could all potentially go to the supreme court we can't do that short-staffed. Well, we're worried the election will go to the Supreme Court. Yeah. Right? We're worried that it'll it, end up it, going to it, the Supreme Court. It could go to the House. The- okay, okay. So okay. There's, a, yeah. there's a bunch of theories about how the election will go down. I just have and no a idea. And of, a lot of people think that it's going to end up in the courts with lawsuits about yeah. various elections. And that will ultimately lead to the Supreme Court and will have to go fast because there's a deadline. Yep. So at least according to one of the sources I was reading on potentials, they say the deadline, I think, is like December 14th. I'm not entirely sure. But that's when the electoral vote, uh, the, electoral, the electoral college votes have to be tallied. Yeah, okay. And that's when they decide, you know, the Supreme Court will have to intervene or, you know, sure. or not. So I imagine they will. If we do not have a full court and it could potentially go 4-4, then this country is going to face the, the worst crisis it's faced in, you know, 100 plus years. Yeah. And, and even if everything goes well, it could be a unanimous court and it would still be a crisis, right? And I think one of the right, important things sure. to, to keep in mind for the election is it really is 50 different simultaneous elections that go on simultaneously right. under their own different set of rules, right? We're talking about Pennsylvania throwing out uh, signature the, the, the signature yeah. verification. So you have all of these different kind of minute factors of the law that are all legal challenges that could all get fast-tracked. And so the, just the number of cases that could spin out, the wow. amount of energy that would have to go into this is enormous. What if, what if we come out of election day, we're three or four days post, and we don't know because of mailing irregularities or whatever it is, we don't know who won Florida, we don't know who won Pennsylvania, and I don't know, we don't know who won Wisconsin. Could that be, so w- when we've talked about civil war, and, 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 and I, I got to preface this by saying, I know there's a lot of people who are like, they roll their eyes when it's brought up. 
But I'm not the one who first, I, I didn't come up with this idea. I was, yeah. I was reading a, a national security article from, I think, The Atlantic, talking about the violence in the streets, yep. the escalation of tensions following Donald Trump's victory, and the potential for civil war. And this was several years ago. They said that it looked like there was like a 35% chance we would go down that route. A lot of people I talked to said there's no dividing line. Like mm-hmm. this, the, the American yep. Civil War was the North and the South. We knew where people were. And I said, but that's not a traditional civil war like we've seen with other countries around right. the world. Right. Where there's pockets that are in alignment and then they like move around and then slowly try and take over one city. Or where they just wage a war on the capital until they win control of the centralized you know, government. Right. I wonder if that scenario you just brought up would be that state dividing line. Because we have a lot of swing states that have, uh, I shouldn't say a lot, but there's a couple where they have a Democratic governor, but a Republican legislature. Right. So I think Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and uh, no, no, not, not Michigan. It's Michigan and Wisconsin, I think. Yeah. So I wonder what happens if there's these Democratic governors who will say something like, uh, imagine this. I keep seeing the left say, many, many progressives, that we need to make sure we have maximum voter turnout for Joe Biden. The only problem is they all live in blue states. They all live in deep blue states. Right. And hyper, like heavily concentrated in uh, cities. So a lot of people did move because of, of COVID, but I don't think they moved that far. Yeah. They probably went to their parents' house in the suburbs or something like that. Right. If they all come out and vote, so what? New York, which was already going to give its electoral votes, has a higher you know, popular vote count. Yeah. So what? However... What happens when Joe Biden loses the Electoral College but wins the popular vote by 10 points? Yeah. Then you're going to see these Democrat governors in the swing states be like, well, we did vote for, you know, Trump in our state, but the popular vote of the country is more, you know, more important because the swing is too high. Right. You'll end up with some people saying, we know Trump won the Electoral College, but this is too big of a popular vote swing. We will not be ruled by a minority. Right. And then the Republicans and Trump are going to say, these are the rules. These are the rules. Yep. And this is what we all agreed to. And then all and of a sudden you have some kind of civil war. But I think so. Two thoughts come to me. The first is, I think the response from the left will be, yeah, well, we agreed to these rules hundreds of years ago when there was still slavery, right? That's always the pushback on the Electoral College. And there's there's a side of me that's like, okay, like I, like I get it. Like we have a living, breathing constitutional document. It's meant to change all that kind of stuff. But there's a lot of things you have to go through to change things in this country. And I think on the whole, that's probably for the best Electoral College included. But getting back to your your civil war model. I also, I read something the other day that was really, really interesting that looked at it, that talked about it less as a traditional civil war, even in the sense of two standing armies, even if it's not North South, but like even look at a place like Libya, right? That kind of devolves into a sort of civil war and a lot more like the troubles in Ireland. Right. And so it could look a lot more like you have kind of pockets of sectarian violence where you have, it's not even one city against another. It's you got 60% of one city, maybe that's loyal to a cause and 40% the other way. And so you start having, unfortunately, what it ends up looking like is a lot like Portland with more people dead. And live ammo. I, re- I remember uh, I-, I went to um, Northern Ireland. Uh, what- what's, the, uh, what's-, what's the city? In, uh, in Northern Ireland. Do you know? Belfast. The, Belfast. Yeah. Yes. I was in Belfast and I went to the My Peace Wall. Crawled there. Oh. You went to the, did you go to the Peace Wall? I did, yeah. All right. So this is really important for everyone that's listening. On one side of the Peace Wall, there was like pro Israel stuff. On the other side, there was pro Palestine. And I was confused by this. And I asked one of the locals, what does this have to do with, with, with Ireland? And he said, nothing. Yeah. It was literally tribalism. If one side said one thing, the other side said the opposite. Yep. We are seeing that. It's uh, Matt Taibbi 
called it. Uh, he, there's something uh, akin to this that Matt Taibbi coined, the hydroxychloroquine effect. Yes, right. You read that article? Yes. Oh, I love so, it. He's, so, he's brilliant. Right, right. He's a liberal guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he wrote basically that, you know, look, Trump sees these studies that were being performed in many different modernized nations. Yeah. He then goes up on the podium and starts, you know, saying, oh, this is really, really great. I saw this thing. We should try it out. Yeah. The media then ran as fast as they could to write stories claiming it was bad and not to do it. Right. And he said, you're in a pandemic and you're discounting a potential treatment that other countries, that, that, that's ridiculous. And right off the bat, too, two threads, I'll tell you, I actually have about, about the hydroxychloroquine effect. And it, it's right. I mean, it was, there was nothing about it that was science. And what, what ended up happening was all they had to do was cherry pick doctors who have a doctor before their name, throw them on CNN, and then they run the coverage of Trump. And like, let, let's be honest, too. Trump is not a medical expert. And so right, when, he goes, when he goes up there and talks about it, it's typical Trump speech trying to explain something very complicated. And then all of these doctors who probably are sound and look a lot more articulate on the ways of medicine get up there and say, no, he's, he's, he's crazy. But they're cherry picking. They're just finding guys who believe a certain thing that doesn't necessarily fit any of the evidence. And there was uh, and, and there were some really bad doctors who came out in an agreement with Trump that made him look really bad. Very good point. However, you also had Dr. Uh, I think it was Harvey Risch, MD, PhD from Yale saying yeah. the most important thing whenever we talk about this too because youtube likes to strike down anybody who brings it up is that it's a, it's not a cure but uh this phd md from yale was saying it does help and we need to start you know looking into what we can do to help people but it's not a cure for sure so anyway i bring that up in in context of northern ireland because there was like i think somebody somebody in northern ireland claimed they were a lost tribe of israel and they were like literally irish people yeah for yeah interesting this is what i was being told by some of the locals that you'll look on one side and it's the revolution fist, it's pro-communist, it's pro-left. The other side was pro-right wing, pro-empire, pro-imperialism. Yeah. And it was literally just your side bad, our side good. Interesting. And I think that's where we are. I, yeah. But I don't, I, I, here's, what, here's what I actually, I think when it comes to the US and the, and, and the kind of the conflict we've seen from the left and the right, the right has become a big tent of people who are rational and reasonable and willing to have a conversation and don't just believe that whatever, you know, one person says, it, you know, the, we must say the other thing. But if you look like when I look at Trump, I say there's a lot of things I can easily criticize. There's a lot of things I think that are good. You know, hey, it is what it is. The left just says literally everything he does is bad. Right. The peace agreements. Oh, they're actually bad. They undermine Palestine. How dare he? Yeah. It looks like we're headed in that in that similar direction to what divided uh, uh, at least what I saw from, you know, look, it's yeah. not like I have a history degree in Northern Ireland or anything. Uh, fair. But and I think I think one of the big things within that, too, is you end up with a, a situation where it's not just that one side has decided that whatever the other side is doing is, is bad is you have one side who's in power, right? Donald Trump. And you have the other side who's controlling the narrative and the media. Right. And so if they're going to sit back and say whatever the government of the United States does is bad. Right. In, in a way that can only be described as propaganda, then you're of course, you're going to inflame tensions. Of course, you're going to piss people off. And at the end of the day, anyone who agrees with Trump is going to sit back and say, why am I being lied to? So what do you think happens when Trump then selects his Supreme Court nominee? The media is going to magically create every every possible you name it. They're going to accuse this person of murder. They're going to be like they they kidnapped a puppy and threw it into you know off a yep. bridge. It's going to be insanity. Yep. But this is why I think Trump has to pick Amy Coney Barrett. Correct. Right. If they choose a man, it's going to be me too. It's going to be white. Like, right, Kavanaugh all over again times, times a ten. thousand. Yes. Yeah, times yes. a thousand, yes. a thousand, and with a thousand times the energy behind it to dig up anything that could be wrong or unsavory or whatever no, it is. No, they're going to make it up, and that's the thing. When all else fails, you know that they will. So what can they make up? So, so here's, here's what I've got pulled up. I got Wikipedia pulled up of Amy Coney Barrett. Oh, yeah. And uh, there's a really important context here. They say Amy Coney Barrett is a United States Circuit, uh, United States Circuit judge. 
of the United States Court of Appeals for the Seventh Circuit. Barrett is the first and only woman to occupy an Indiana seat on the Seventh, uh, Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals. Described as an originalist and textualist, Barrett's judicial philosophy has been likened to that of her late mentor and former boss, Justice Antonin Scalia. Barrett's scholarship focused on originalism, statutory interpretation, and I can't pronounce it, stare, uh, stare decisis. Stare decisis. Let the decision stand. Interesting. In Latin, yeah. So that, like, what does that mean? Like you don't repeal or, or re- reverse other standings? Right. It's that, it's that you, you tend to side with settled case law or previous court decisions. So, so the, the question I, w- I guess I would ask, if that's true, do you think she wouldn't overturn Roe v. Wade? Or would she? It's interesting. She was, she was asked about this. I, I don't know if it's a confirmation hearing or what, but she, she's been asked throughout the years whether or not she believes in Roe v. Wade, whether or not it's settled law. Um, I think she probably doesn't over... I, I think... You think she won't I don't it. think she will reverse Roe v. Wade. To be honest with you, I, I get what Tom Cotton's saying, and Tom Cotton's an elected official, so I think it's a lot easier for him to say that it needs to be overturned. Yeah. I think it would be enormously difficult. I think you would probably need a couple more conservative justices to actually overturn Roe v. Wade. Yeah. I, just, I, just, I don't buy it, right? It's, it's something that the conservative movement has fought for for a long time um, and, and done a really good job of fighting for, and I think it's, it's animated the conservative movement for a really long time, but I don't think it changes. But to answer your earlier question, I think I have a pretty good idea of what's going to come out about Coney Barrett. Oh, yeah. I think I know. Oh. So <laughs> she, um, she's Catholic. She teaches at Notre Dame, um, and they're going to paint her, and they did this the last time I think she was confirmed. They're going to paint her as a religious zealot. Oh, yeah. They're going to, I think she, I, it might have been her, it might have been someone I'm confusing her with, but um, she, she has membership in different Catholic organizations. Uh, I think Opus Dei, maybe a couple of the others. You'll remember Opus Dei if you've seen the Da Vinci Code. Uh, that's not actually Opus Dei. They just, they use so the So she's name not and, like hiding secret paintings. No, exactly. She's, exactly. Right. That'd be she's cool, not, though. it would be cool if, <laughs> if it was the case, but no, I, to the best of my knowledge, she doesn't have any, any interesting secrets, doesn't drink the blood from the skull of St. Peter or anything like that. <laughs> wow. But, uh, but, it, it, she's a conservative Catholic woman. Uh, Pro gun, yeah, but but also like deeply fundam not not fundamentalist, but fundamentally is in in her in her bearing and in her being religious. That's what it's going to be. It's going to be a culture war about religion. So but, I I can see it already because Diane Feinstein. This is the lady to whom she was saying the dogma lives loudly. This is dogma you. lives loudly. Thank you. I You're was right. like, yeah, okay, I remember this. This is, now. This is dogma lives loudly. I can see. Loudly. I, I can pre- I can preview it through the Kavanaugh thing. Yeah, there, 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 I'm not going to go through her entire wiki that points out several interesting things. But I will note that uh, right away they say she's a rankly dissent in favor of gun ownership rights, but also Fourth Amendment. Interestingly, the first thing they bring up is Barrett wrote the opinion in a case denying summary judgment and qualified immunity to a police detective who knowingly provided false and misleading information in an affidavit. Interesting. The plaintiff, Rainsberger, was arrested for his own mother's murder based upon the defendant's falsified records used to secure a warrant for the plaintiff's arrest. The court found the defendant's lies and omissions were material to probable, probably cause a clear violation of the plaintiff's Fourth Amendment rights, to which the defendant is not eligible for qualified immunity. So, uh, I legally is a little bit there, but does that she's not she she actually was uh, against qualified immunity for a cop? Is that what it says? Uh, sort of. So, if I'm reading it right, it's that. You have a lot of courts who have a pretty expansive interpretation of what qualified immunity is and what it means. And so if I'm reading that correctly, again, I don't have a lot of grace, so I don't, I don't want to mislead any of your viewers. But uh, my understanding is that she struck down qualified immunity because of a direct violation of, of an enunciated protection that's right, right, right. under the Constitution, which not all courts do. Right. I, I think, unfortunately, it's it's with. Um, can you can you can you give quick context on qualified immunity? Yeah. So qualified immunity is uh, for certain people. In most cases, it comes off uh, uh, comes up around police officers. Is that because of the responsibilities of their job or something that they do? They have a it's a higher burden of proof to be able to hold them legally accountable. And so if you get killed by a police officer, um, it is 
very, very difficult for your family to then go and sue the government and sue the police bureau. So this is something a lot of left-wing activists have been adamant about. They want police to lose qualified immunity right. so that they get treated like regular people, essentially. Yes, right. So I, I, I guess that might be favorable for her. It's, yeah. not, it's not like it's going to matter, though. She's a conservative. That's gonna, a good point. Yeah, they'll, they'll hate her anyway. That, that point, I think, is good for the libertarians. That's been a oh, big, yeah. <laughs> that's like a, like Reason, I'm sure, has a podcast on qualified immunity or, or whatever it is, right? That's, yeah. that's one of their big sticking points. Um, I, think, I think there's probably enough there in the rest of the wiki for why Comey Barrett is not going to be someone who's embraced oh, with I, open I mean, arms right by away any the, RPG fans. Right away, the 2A gun ownership rights yeah. stuff, of course. If she's an originalist and textualist, I mean... But but she it's interesting. She's an originalist and textualist, but she's not going to reverse, you know, previous rulings. Is that like is that what uh, yeah, Starry so Decisis? I think is yeah, Starry Decisis. So it's it's interesting. I think the two are somewhat in tension, right? You've got something. So Starry Decisis is yes, you're not overturning previous court decisions. I think there is a long legal tradition among originalists um, to say that you, you don't want to like the whole the whole point of originalism, particularly as a political manifestation, is we shouldn't be legislating from the bench. We shouldn't be making laws and making rules and changing things based on the judicial philosophy of individual courts. Right. That's right. kind of the, the, the crux and the heart of it. But what I think a lot of uh, what a lot of originalists and textualists will do is they'll say that doesn't mean that we can't look at cases that were wrongly decided. Right. Right. And right. go back and say this was wrong and we need to change it rather than we're looking at all the same facts and figures and it comes out differently. So, um, yeah, I, th I think that's about where it nets out. There is a section for possible Supreme Court nomination. And they say Barrett had been included on President Donald Trump's list of potential mm -hmm. Supreme Court nominees since 2017, almost immediately after her Court of Appeals confirmation. That's wow. Almost immediately after. Yeah. In July 2018. She's yeah. She's 40, 47, I think. Yeah. 40, 46, 47. Uh, in July 2018, following the retirement announcement of Anthony Kennedy, she was reportedly one of three finalists and the only woman to be considered by Trump as a possible successor to Kennedy. Trump nominated Judge Brett Kavanaugh for the position. Reportedly. Although the president liked Barrett, he was concerned about her lack of experience on the bench. At the time, Barrett had been on the bench for less than a year. After Kavanaugh's selection, Barrett was expected to stay in the spotlight as a possible nominee for a future Supreme Court vacancy. Trump is reportedly saving Ruth Bader Ginsburg's seat for Amy Coney Barrett if Ginsburg retires or dies during the Trump presidency. And yeah. there it is. Yeah. That's what uh, everyone is expecting to happen. And now she's got the experience on the bench. Yeah, she's, exactly. She's got a little more time on the bench. Also, interesting. Someone should fact check me on this, but I think this is accurate. I think she would also be the first um, the, the first individual on the Supreme Court who doesn't have a law degree from an Ivy League school. Really? I think it's, it's almost always Yale and Harvard. Um, she went to Notre Dame. Again, I could be wrong on this, or it could be undergraduate rather than graduate. But do they? Uh, University of Notre Dame. Yeah. So I'm... I think, I think she would be the first one with a law degree, not from an Ivy League school, who would be on the Supreme Court. Wow, man. I don't know that that really gets you any blue-collar voters. I mean, yeah. I think that's, that's probably like how many angels can dance on the head of the pin <laughs> in terms Maybe of the things bit, that... Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's a little too in the weeds, but uh, ner nerdy people like me in D.C., I think, probably like that stuff. So uh, what's, the, what's the immediate reaction now for conservatives? You know, I, I, when, when you see like an Obama victory, they all run out and buy guns. Yep. If it, well, Trump hasn't picked anybody yet. So I, everyone's going to be having knots in their stomachs. And uh, I don't know. What do you think Trump's going to do? I mean, I think, you know, we were talking about before. I think what Trump is going to do is he's going to rush to get someone on the bench. Yeah. And if it, again, under more normal times, he w everyone and their mother would be saying, you know what? I don't like Trump. I don't like his, I don't like who he's going to nominate for this, but it makes sense. We're, we're, we're heading towards the rocks and we need to have enough people in the Supreme Court to be able to make whatever decision comes up. But we're not. 
it's in uh, uh, at the end of Obama's last term. Was it? Uh, who, was it? Uh, um, who was the uh, Supreme Court man? Um, I can't forget the guy's name. They wouldn't confirm him. He sat waiting. Oh, Gorsuch. Uh, no, no, not, not Gorsuch. Gorsuch. Right. I was, I was going to say that. see him. Oh, I can't almost remember his name. <laughs> I oh feel my bad gosh. for the guy. He uh, well, he didn't get uh, chosen. Ma- Merrick Garland. Yes. Merrick Garland. Yes, okay, Garland. Garland. There we go. Yay. Right. So I was like, Melvin. Uh, Mer- <laughs> Mitch McConnell. He said no. He's mm-hmm. like, we're not going to confirm him because he's. He, what did he say? We're like, we're in the last uh, year, and there is a divided Senate versus the presidency. Yep. And so if if there's a divide, then we shouldn't confirm this person. Let the people decide with the president presidential election. Right. I personally disagree with that, and. I, I'm 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 almost willing to bet that now Mitch McConnell does well. Actually, no, no, no. He it's it's right now Republican Senate Republican President. We're not divided, right? And, so and this will be a huge talking point of the left, right? I, I think people people misconstrue the McConnell rule as whenever there is a, a vacancy that comes up on a Supreme Court that we have to wait. If it, if there's any presidential election coming up, you have to wait until that's over. When what McConnell was saying is, hey, there are two branch, there are two components of our government who are in charge of having any say in the decision when it comes to a new Supreme Court justice. It's the president and it's the Senate. Right now, we're not unified. Right. I see what you're saying. So so the president will will choose someone. The Senate will confirm the person. Right. I actually totally disagree with that. Okay. You know, in, in the sense that, like, if the president chooses someone and the Senate disagrees and then doesn't confirm them, that makes sense. The Senate's supposed to be a check on the president, right? Yeah. To, uh, so Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. So, well, so if the idea then is, well, we've got a Democrat Senate, or we got a Republican Senate, a Democrat president, so we just won't confirm it. I mean, to be honest, that's what would just happen. Wouldn't they just vote it down? Probably. But I think one of the things particularly that we've seen, at least up until Bork, right? Uh, so the, for a really, really long time, there's this expectation for members of the Supreme Court, I think kind of anecdotally, socially, whatever, that if a president is going to nominate someone to the highest bench in the land, they have to be someone who the entire Senate will agree with. You're yeah. going to have overwhelmingly uh, overwhelming support for this person. They should be relatively moderate on the issues. They should be likable, whatever. And then Bork came in, and that, 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 that's the getting Borked, right? That's where all that comes from, where they oh, didn't really? give him a fair hearing. Yeah. So, they, so <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a nominee who doesn't, get, who doesn't get a fair hearing, and they're like, okay, this is, it became political, right? And everyone was, was tearing their hair out because, oh, no, the Supreme Court has now become political. Yep. Um, and I think you've seen that on steroids recently, and it, now it, we're going to have it times... It, it, an, an infinity. We're, I th- I, dude, I, I think civil war is not out of the question. But in, I, I think what people don't realize is that we're in a new generation of conflict. Yeah. Propaganda is huge. Information war. The left controls cultural institutions. They try to pretend that they're powerless because they don't control the government. But Trump only has, you know, he, well, the Supreme Court is conservative, especially with Ruth Bader Ginsburg's passing. He got the Senate. You've got uh, uh, the presidency, obviously. The House is in control of the Democrats. But they also control the colleges. The youth institutions, the celebrities, the video games, the movies, they control the cultural institutions and politics comes second. Yeah. You know, was it Breitbart who said uh, politics is downstream from yeah, culture? Yeah, 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 right. So if, if they're, you know, in, I, I, I was talking to somebody about how the NFL and the NBA are all Black Lives Matter right now. Right. And I, you know, I was saying, like, I think it's because the Democrats are trying to force politics to wake, like, shock people so they go vote because they desperately need voter turnout to beat Trump. Yep. Because Trump's likely going to win, and they probably know it. Mm-hmm. I think I think Biden's seen his internal polling, and that's why he panicked on the riots. That's why he's run out. That's why all of these hit pieces drop. 
You know, what do they say? Trump called soldiers losers. Yeah. It's like, listen, man, Trump's a lot of things, but that one was so insanely over the top. Yeah. Like, come on, man. And if it, and if it, Joe Biden. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and if it, and if it wasn't true, like who's going to come out and speak on the record, right? We had 21 people who lined up to say it doesn't make any well, sense that they were there and it didn't happen. Exactly. Like, exactly. I, I'm sorry. If you can't get John Bolton to confirm something <laughs> bad that Donald Trump did, I don't buy it. I don't believe it happened. Yeah. I'm not, you're not, you're not going to sway me. It's so, so just so everybody knows, John Bolton hates Trump. Mm-hmm. Trump should not have hired the guy. Mm-hmm. And he wrote a whole book ragging on Trump. And when he got asked, he was like, I don't recall that ever happening. No, that's not true. You know, the story was basically that they were going to go honor the World War One fallen. And Trump said he didn't want to go because they're all losers and suckers. But when actually it was a Navy pilot, like I said, the visibility was too low and the ceiling was too low for the helicopter. It was not safe. We couldn't do it. So they decided not to do it. And Trump said, sure, whatever. Yeah. They turned it into the story where it was actually Trump saying the soldiers are losers. And yeah. that's that's so comic book villain-esque like it's like it's, it's almost it the way i described it before is like a 15 year old kid was writing anti-trump fan fiction oh my God, and then the evil trump said the soldiers are dumb <laughs> like dude come on he's, yes. the, he's the president it's just it's so it's so out there yeah but with uh you know the, the level of conflict we saw with kavanaugh the level of conflict we see every day with like we liken to North, northern ireland yeah oh man and, and that's the thing, too. Don't forget, Kavanaugh was insane, and it was during a period of time before the coronavirus crisis had started. It was before you had the sort of—you didn't have the riots anywhere. You're right. right? All, like, things were—it's insane to say this, but when the Kavanaugh appointment came through, things were a lot calmer than they are now. It was chill. Everywhere. Dude, we, we, earlier this year, we actually did on this show a segment talking about Sonic the Hedgehog. No way. Yeah, the movie came out. It was great. We had a good time. We all high five. We're like, yo, Sonic the Hedgehog, how fun is that? And then the world exploded. Yeah. Pandemic swept through the country. Everything was shut down. The economy's tanking. Riots erupt. I don't want to call them race riots, but they were racialized riots. Better way to put it. Yeah, I agree with that. People are burning things down. A lot of them were white people claiming, yeah. you know, and there were a lot of black people who were angry at them for doing it. And it went on for a hundred plus days. And then everything slowed down. And then mass wildfires hit. Yep. Then several hurricanes hit. Yep. And now Ruth Bader Ginsburg has died. And again, we're not even to the election. We're not even to the, what episode eleven of the twenty twenty season. Oh my gosh. When when like if ever, if this hadn't happened, if there wasn't a if there wasn't a pandemic sweeping the globe, if Ruth Bader Ginsburg were still alive, if there weren't wildfires, twenty twenty would be horrible. Yes. Everything about the twenty twenty election would be bad, and now it is going to be monstrously worse as a result of every enough. single thing that has happened. <laughs> yep. Well, so this is a this is a really good chance to actually jump into one of the original stories we were going to talk about. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. We we so so before we got started, we were like, oh, here's a really interesting story. This uh, actress from the OC, you know, the Orange County show, used to be on Fox, I think, has come out. She says she's an independent voter, but she's voting for Trump. This is significant, especially in the context of potential conflict we see arising out of. Man, we just described apocalyptic scenarios. And uh, just, just to reiterate real quickly, when all the chaos erupted around Brett Kavanaugh, everything was kind of chill. Sure, you had the negative news cycle. You know, there was the Trump derangement hate and all that stuff, but not mass riots, not pandemic. Now we're going to get Brett Kavanaugh times a thousand plus mass <laughs> riots, pandemic, wildfires and all that stuff. Yeah. So there's a real potential for conflict. But there is, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day who told me there's no way Trump will win because he's only lost his supporters. And I said, what have you been yep. reading? My yep. goodness. Yep. No, for real. And, and, and I was like, listen, is, I, all day, every day for 16 hours, I'm just reading news. I'm just reading news. I'm talking to various people, various guests, various friends. 
and I have not seen anything to support what you're saying. And she told me, didn't you watch the DNC, those people who are like, I voted for Trump and now I'm switching? And I saw, I was like, haven't you been on Twitter? Yeah. There's a hashtag walk away. There's Axios. Uh, Axios reported that Republicans are closing the gap in new voter registrations yep. in battleground states because Democrats are switching parties, not because they're registering new voters. Democrats are switching or abandoning the Democratic Party going independent. Interesting. Very interesting. So then we see a story like this. This is OC actress Samir Armstrong voices support for Trump says far left mob has silenced Americans. Quote, I'm voting Trump 2020. She declares online this is brave. She could she's she's a, she's an actress. She could lose her career in Hollywood yep. saying something like this. But I think we're reaching the point where I don't know if you saw the Cato Institute study on political opinion. Sixty two percent of people. Yes, this is the one about people not feeling comfortable sharing their opinions, right? Unless you're on the far left. Exactly. The, and so go, go ahead. ahead. Go. I was, I was going to say, I mean, that's whenever I think about polling, right? Like I, uh, the, the first thing that comes to my mind is who is going to tell, like if people aren't comfortable telling their friends and family who they're voting for, what their political status is, right? If, if they're hiding it that closely, you really think they're going to tell a random pollster? No way. Even if they've made up their mind? And I think that's, that when I think about the people who are going to say, maybe they hold their nose or whatever, but they go and vote for them, it's those people. It's like, I, I, I have plenty of friends in the D.C. area who are like, dude, I work at a think tank. I'm not allowed to be a conservative. Are you kidding me? Like, that doesn't fly here. Like, and it's, it's, it's funny because they talk about how it's almost, it's a popularly understood setting where like, obviously no one's conservative, right? No one even worries that they might offend someone who's conservative right. because the expectation is so, I, I have, I have people at restaurants do this. I'll have servers make comments or bartenders or whatever. And it, that's the expectation. Dude, I went to the dentist. I got, I got, <laughs> I, I'm, no, this is totally true. That's totally true. Totally so I'm pretty, I'm pretty, it has to be. I mean, we, we took, we took last night off because I had to get a permanent crown put in. And I tell you, man. They were like and back we, already, not not even a DL stint. Oh, or anything. It, it's like twenty minutes. It's it's really interesting because they do all the crazy stuff early. Okay, but uh, the dude was like, we don't normally you know use Novocaine when we're doing a uh, a permanent crown. Okay. I got to tell you, man, if you've ever if, if you ever ever have had a sensitive tooth with cold water on it, imagine that being held on it for thirty seconds. No, thank it, you. So, but but anyway, that's a, that's a fun story, huh? <laughs> but but, but, but yeah, I tell it for a reason because the people who were there were like, I've been a lifelong Democrat. I'm voting for Trump. And I'm sitting there going, oh, 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 like, oh, oh. They're, yeah. they're, they're talking above me, like working on my tooth. Right. And they're saying things like, the district we're in right now, I think is D Democrat plus eight, according to the Cook Political uh, Report okay. or whatever. So it's a, it's a Democrat congressman. Uh, this is supposed to be a Democrat area. And I'm, I'm sitting here talking to this woman, and she says that she's been a lifelong Democrat. She uh, doesn't vote Republican, but she is so fed up. The Democrats are so cutthroat. She's sick of the media lies, and they won't shut up. And she's just done with it. Yeah. And I said, but do you think that people in our area, like this is, we're in a Democrat area. Yeah. And she's like, oh yeah, these people are so fed up. I believe it. And then the dentist walks in and without skipping a beat, he's just like, man, I'll tell you, I was watching this one video on, on YouTube and I was <laughs> like, wow, man. Yeah. It's anecdotal. It is. But here's, here's the thing. And I think it grinds my gears a lot in DC because I think that there's this mentality that all of the like every every democrat i know who talks about the republicans who can't vote for trump what they imagine in their mind's eye is like their brunch companions right it's it's their it's their 28 year old friend who they go to brunch with who shows up in like khakis and a button down and is like i'm so sick of this can you believe the trade deals i can't stand this right it's like it's, it's <laughs> some kid who's like an intern at cato right right but like those are the types of people who are very visible to a lot of people in media and a lot of people on the left side of the aisle who are vocally at least in their universe these these are the staunch republicans like they had a regular 
Reagan Bush shirt. I can't believe that they're going to go and vote for Biden. And the right. thing that they're not seeing is the far more common other switch, which is a middle-aged person out in the suburbs or in the exurbs or whatever it is saying, you know what? I'm sick of this. This is, this is I, I can't take it anymore. I'm sick of it. How bad can this Trump guy be? We're four years in now. The sky still hasn't fallen. Whatever. Pull the lever. Actually, forward. you're going to see so much more of that. Before at the beginning of this year, when we were setting up this show, I had to buy all this fancy, beautiful furniture you see before you. It's fantastic. And I went to the furniture shop, and the lady who was there, we were just talking, and she asked me like, "Wow, you're buying a ton of stuff." He was really excited, some commission based. And I, <laughs> no, no, but this is important because I said, "Look, it's been a really, really great year for me." And she goes, "Me too." And I was like, really? I was like, I'm launching a new show and I do politics. And she was like, this has been the best year of my life for making money. And I'm like selling furniture. And she's like, you know it. I had, a, I had a contractor come out to do uh, groundwork. We built a skate park. Basically, they just laid concrete. Amazing, yeah. I mean, it's been a great year. We've like, we're, we're working on a bunch of new shows. And I had one of these guys say that he was going to vote for Trump because he was sick and tired of the media. That was it. And I yep. was like, I was like, is there anything Trump? I don't know, man. All I know is like, man, leave this guy alone. Yeah. And so this was a, was a younger dude who was probably like in his mid to late 20s. His whole mentality was like watching someone getting beaten up all day, every day and finally being like, dude, enough. Yeah, exactly. Like, stop. He's already down. And now he's going to support Trump simply because they would not stop. Yeah. Right. They, I, I feel like, you know, I've talked to a lot of people. And I see all these hit pieces coming out. Trump says soldiers are losers. Yep. Trump abused this woman. Trump said this about this. Bob Woodward. And I'm like, do you think at this point, repeatedly smacking the American people over the face, screaming orange man bad while shaking them will change, will make them finally realize exactly. that you can't vote for Trump? 60 Minutes. They did Bob Woodward and Scott Pelley, two journalists interviewing each other about how the orange man is bad. And I was like, this is what we finally needed. The American people just <laughs> needed to hear a journalist interview a journalist about how Trump <laughs> is bad. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it's, I think part of it is there's a lot of journalists and a lot of people who spend too much time in D.C. and they look around and they see people like Nancy Pelosi and they're like, oh, she's one of the good ones. And what's lost <laughs> oh. on them is most the overwhelming majority of Americans outside of the Beltway and outside of the Acela Quarter look at all of them and then like throw the whole, the whole bunch out. They're, they're all rotten. I right. can't stand any of them. And so they come off already sympathetic to someone like Donald Trump who is a rock through the window yes. who says, you know what? You don't like these guys. I don't like these guys. They haven't done anything for you. And as long as you can remember, we got to get rid of them. This is the way I describe it. It's the ivory tower. Yeah. And a bunch of people brought a bowl to the front door. And up in the top was Hillary Clinton, the Democrats, looking down, laughing and scoffing, sipping their wine. Yeah. And then the, the right-wing populists let go of the ropes, and the bull went boom right through the door. Yeah. And they've been screaming for years as the bull rampages around. But for the people down below, everything's getting better. Yeah. And so they're like, let, the way I describe it to like my progressive friends, I'm like, listen, man. They, I, I, that friend I was talking to you about who was telling me that they didn't think Trump could win, mm -hmm. they hate Joe Biden. This, uh, my, my friend, she hates Joe Biden. Okay. She was saying Joe Biden's awful. They're corporate Democrats. They don't care. They're yeah. saying whatever they think people want to hear. And I said, let Trump clear out the ivory tower. Don't let the establishment back in because they will lock the doors up, double barricade them, and you will never have another chance. Trump is rampaging around and they're panicked, freaking out, falling yeah. apart. Joe Biden is, is crumbling and they're losing control. Trump does four more years. And there will be no more democratic establishment. There will just be the progressive populists and the right wing populists. And then they won't be standing in your way. That's how I feel.
Yeah, I mean, I don't blame. You. I'm trying to. I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of a progressive activist too. And I, it's. I think that's the other thing that's not lost on the progressives. Don't get me wrong. I think a lot's lost on them. But one of the things that's not lost on them is that like they're kind of corporatist overlords and Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden and people who've been in Washington for 40 years. Like they don't actually care, right? And like right. they're they're really good at acting like they care. And I think Joe Joe Biden, I think, is is someone who's really really good at expressing real. Like I'll fine. Like I, I won't assume malice here. Like I think he's really good at showing individual empathy. But I think it's really really hard to look at his voting record and say, yeah, you know what? This guy cares and has been fighting for everyday Americans. And I don't know who's been kicking around Washington as long as he has, who you can genuinely look at and say, you know what that person has done since day one? They've done the hard things. They've fought the fights. They've fought the unpleasant ones. Other than, to be clear, Bernie Sanders, who I can't stand. But it's what he's done. He's done it. So the reason why I want to bring up the story from the OC actress is because I watched the video and I don't know if they pull up the, the, the exact quote, but one of the most interesting things she says, if you think... That, you know, uh, you, you, or she basically said you've got Joe Biden, Hillary Clinton, Kamala Harris, who have been in politics for decades. Yeah. They created the systemic racism you're complaining about. You can't vote for them and let them stay. In, that's, you're, you're part of the problem. And that's 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 how I feel about particularly Kamala Harris. Joe Biden, come on, 47 years, the crime bill. He did a bunch of really bad things he's been criticized for by a lot of people. Including Kamala Harris. Including Kamala Harris. And it's shocking to me that you have progressives that hate Trump more. It's like, but they're like, Trump's a fascist. It's the end of the world. I'm like, the Democrat, the the, the corporate establishment types are telling you that because they don't want Trump to win. Trump is a lot of things. Trump is not a fascist. And Trump, in my opinion, if I've often said, if you took a, a person identical to Trump, and cleaned up the act. Oh, they'd win in a, in a landslide. Absolutely. If you if you took away the if you took away all of the like all of the things that made him Donald Trump the reality TV show star, right? The the the, the Billy Bush video, the marriages, the divorces, the comments about women, like the interview. Like if you take him being the kind the type of chummy guy who can go on Howard Stern and say some really vile, awful things, and put like a little bit of makeup on it, you're right. <laughs> you're right. I mean, he would he would run away. It wouldn't be close because there right. wouldn't be there wouldn't be anyone. And like here, I'm, I'm not I'm not going to you know lie to anybody. I was a very never. Trump guy in 2016 for mostly all of those reasons, right? I wanted someone with dignity and character and Christian values and respect and whatever. And whatever you think of Donald Trump, he's not those things. No. And if if you could just, if you could just kind of like take those little pieces and just stick them in here and stick them in there, you're right. It would be like Reagan. He'd win. But but compare him to Biden now. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's the thing too. Like you look at Biden and it's, he's, he walks the walk. He talks the talk. He does it well. He's a politician. And it's just that, unfortunately, what's going to happen to him is the same thing that happened with Hillary Clinton. Donald Trump is specifically designed. It's like he was—he wasn't made in a lab to appease people like me. He wasn't—he wasn't—he wasn't made in a lab to appease a lot of different voters. But you know what? He was made in a lab to do. His true superpower is he is a perfect foil for Joe Biden or Hillary Clinton or Kamala Harris or Nancy Pelosi or anyone who has spent too much time. Yeah acting like a politician. He's perfectly built for it. You couldn't ask for anything else. And so the idea of the rock through a window makes so much sense, I think, to right. millions and millions of Americans because they look and they're like, you know what? Fine. Well-dressed, nice-talking Joe Biden. Fine. I'm sure I would like to sit down and have a fireside chat with him. But if I want to get something done, he's got 47 years and hasn't done it. There's, there's, there's so many different things about Trump that push him over uh, Joe Biden. It's like one, one way I can describe it is you got Sleepy Joe and you got bombastic Trump. But if you're talking about foreign policy, defending this mm-hmm. country, then you've got the big bully who pushes everyone around and won't shut up or the guy who is very, you know, sleepy. Yeah. 
the, the people who are going to be focused on military strength are going to look at Trump and be like, I would like the bully to work for me. Yeah. If you've got people who want just trade deals and trade arrangements, why would they go for Joe Biden? Who, the, you know, the, the, the Obama administration was pro Trans-Pacific Partnership. Yep. Bernie Sanders was against that. So the populist left and right agree on these trade agreements. Yeah. But when I, when I said compare Trump to Biden now, I'm saying just like across the board, Biden doesn't cut it. He's, he's, he's bottom tier. And, it, and it's, it's, it's due to a lot of things. I mean, first of all, Biden's history is, is really bad. Yeah. The things he's voted for, the things he's said, and his, his, has passed gaffes, his lies he's been called out for. But now he's also just, he, he needs to retire. Yeah. With all due respect, you know, Joe Biden is well past his prime a long time ago. Yeah. And, and, and seeing some of the, t- the things he's, he tries to say, what gets me is how the, how the journalists complete his sentences for him. When he tries giving out an idea and then he fumbles and says gibberish, they'll actually write a complete sentence. Yeah. And I'm like, you can't do that. He didn't say it's insane. that. It's insane. He didn't say that. So you, you look at Donald Trump and I look at, uh, you know, Joe Biden negotiating with many of the progressives and he's not giving them everything they want. Right. But he's doing enough while also, I think, you know, the town hall the other day, he was kind of throwing, throwing them under the bus, showing that it was a, it was a, uh, the whole thing was a lie, right? Yeah. Basically, he was like, we're pro these progressive things. We're going to fight for with Bernie Sanders. And then came out and said, no, screw all that. We're, we're here for Pennsylvania. And we're yeah, gonna get, exactly. We're going to what they want. And, and he does this, too. So one of, the, one of the more interesting ones, I think, lately has been fracking. So Exactly. That's so what I was, so yeah. Biden has flipped, I think, four times now in the last couple of weeks about fracking. And so originally his, his position was he was pro-fracking. He understands it's important. You're in a place like Pennsylvania. Like, this is important jobs. It's low-cost energy. There's a lot of different benefits to it. One. Two. Then he got asked by the progressives and they were like, uh, he's like, oh, well, no, there's no place. There's no place for right. fossil fuels. He was, he was asking everybody. <laughs> and then a journalist clarified. Somebody, somebody had to ask him a follow-up question like, well, wh- what does that mean for, for fracking? And he's like, we won't have that in a Biden administration. And then he came back. He walked it back again and said, oh, no, no. Like he was, he was speaking in Pennsylvania or something. And so he's got it. And the thing is, the journalists give him cover. Every time. Every, Every time. time. There's no there's no politifact. There's no there's no four Pinocchios for these sorts of things. They're bald faced obvious lies that none of the people whose most important job to the American people, which is to call out lies, all of a sudden lose interest in. Yeah. And I think about all the people who are watching YouTube. When I was talking to those uh, dentists, well, I shouldn't say I was talking. I was going, oh, <laughs> getting, getting you know, dental work done. It was like Biden talking. But these are people talking about the YouTube videos they watched. And that's why they go after YouTube. That's why they're pro-censorship. Yeah. You know, it's really crazy. A lot of people have been getting knocked off YouTube and various social media platforms in the past uh, uh, several couple of weeks. It's been intense. And this is something we all predicted. If you thought 2018 was bad, wait until the presidential election. They have to get rid of every single conservative, every single yep. right wing pro-Trump. And I'm surprised I'm still here, to be honest. Although, oh, we got a cat. He's going to steal your water. Uh, that's okay. I we, hope can, you know. we can share water. We can All share right. water. But but yeah, I, I noticed that most of the people I talk to that have flipped for Trump, yeah. they're people who tell me they started to do their own research. Uh, every single story I hear from someone who walked away from the Democratic Party, yeah. it's, it's very simple. They said, I heard all of these things. I believed them. And then one day I decided to do my own research. And then I watched, uh, you know, a lot of people are like, I watched one Trump speech and then realized, hey, wait a minute. Yeah. They, everything they said was a lie. Yeah. And these things slowly unravel, too. So I think for for me, one of the one of the big moments was um, it was the Steele dossier. Right. And so I remember like you when it first came out, everyone was in uniform agreement. You got this dirty dossier like, oh, Trump's finished. There's all these problems, blah, 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 blah. And I bought it. I looked at it. and I was like, oh, wow. Like MI5 guy like he's he's well respected, whatever. I'm sure he's great. Fine. And I I bought it. And I remember I, I, I peeled back one day. Because it was when the, the story came out that someone had alleged that 
Trump had been a Russian asset since 1987. I was that like, was, all right, this is this is my moment. I was like, hands up, I can't. No, 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 no. No well, way. I'll, I'll, I'll believe a lot of things that may not make a lot of sense, but this is not one of those such things. And I think you did. You have a lot of people who are asking a lot of questions. I think there's a lot of good work on the right of people who are submitting FOIA requests and who are asking the right questions. And so because of that, you do start to have people who get this information that filters through and starts to break through the lockdown that you have that is that is mainstream media. When I was talking to my progressive friend, you know, uh, she was giving me all of the mainstream media talking points that were devoid of any fact or reason. Yep. And we, we had a good conversation. I, I, I consider her to be a good friend. It, it, it was really amazing to me, actually, that she could believe a lot of things she did, supporting critical race theory, disagreeing with Trump, defending some of the things said by a lot of these far leftists. And we had a, we had a discussion and an argument about it. But one, you know, she said a couple things. Like, for one, she said, Kyle Rittenhouse is a white supremacist who traveled across state lines to hunt down peaceful protesters. And I was like, whoa, 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 yeah. whoa. And so I think if you're coming from politics from this point of view ba- based upon the mainstream media's lies, yep. and I say mainstream media, it, it's really hard to break down. It's political operatives who work within media. Good point. Yeah. Because I still use the New York Times for sourcing in many different oh, instances. Oh, yeah. 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 He, he really wants your I water. I know. He's very, <laughs> very committed. I'll put it here so he can have some. He, can't, okay. he, can't, he can't get to it. Oh, yeah. That's why uh, I'm not to get in there. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I hear you. And like, I agree. And don't forget, for, for Rittenhouse, it wasn't just your progressive friend. Like, Ayanna Presley said that, right? And so I, I think it is, it is very, very easy. I know. It's, it's tough. <laughs> He's going to knock it over. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it can be really easy. It's, you repeat something even devoid of any facts or meaning. You repeat it until it becomes true for all intents and purposes, right? And so if you keep repeating the idea that, that the Steele dossier is credible or you keep repeating over and over again that Rittenhouse is a white supremacist, all you have to do is say it enough times and eventually you get there. I can't stop laughing because he's just jamming his face <laughs> in the jar. And it's just, it's just not quite going to fit. This, this is why we let him on the show because he's, he's, he's the comic relief for all the <laughs> despair and violence. And we could and use that today. I mean, Seriously, seriously. No, I, I did think about it. A lot of people are like, you know, it's always, news is always such a downer. It's always so negative. We're, no, no, no. He'll knock it over. You just, yeah. He'll, <laughs> just, just give him a little. <laughs> just don't uh, let him spill uh, it. Uh, so uh, oh and anyway, to, clar- to, to clarify my point in the mainstream media. You know, like I was saying, there's a lot of sources that I still use, but you have to be very careful. You got to fact check it. Mm-hmm. But if you start your your political journey yeah. specifically from, I read a story that said Kyle Rittenhouse is a white supremacist. Well, then you're going to agree with critical race theory, right? So one of the things she said to me was, um, "Don't you realize that there's like a very serious problem with police targeting minority communities?" And I said, "Let me ask you a question, and I'll ask you this question: mm-hmm. Do you know how many unarmed black men were shot and killed last year?" I said eight, thirteen. Ah, okay. And then I said, do you know how many police interactions there were? Right. My understanding is there was 330, uh, 375 million. So out of all of those interactions, 13 unarmed people dead, I will tell you this. Those are individual cases that need to be explored to make sure there was no wrongdoing because Absolutely. a loss of life is one of the most egregious violations of civil liberties and civil rights. But it doesn't sound to me like there is this massive widespread problem. Right. Or like I think it was, it was LeBron James was the one who had the great quote where he said it's open season on black men in America. Right. right. And, and there's this narrative of, you know, not only is there it's open season on black men in America and police and white people can kill black people without consequence and without issue. That's just not true. Right. Like, no. There's no there's no reading of the literature that can make that something a point that can be justified and stand on its own. Like it, it's an absurd thing. It's a conspiracy theory. But beyond it, a gets, conspir- it just gets repeated so many times that people are like, oh yeah, like there. Of course there are because the numbers don't matter. You know, 
and and the, one of the one of the things I like to bring up all the time, even though it feels fruitless, uh, like pointless, is that they complain all day and night about QAnon, and you know Alex Jones, he gets banned from the internet, all of yep. these things. Yet they screech. Uh, so you were referring to Jonathan Chait on MSNBC yes. when he said Chris Hayes, the famous Chris Hayes, millions of followers, has a guy in his show who says, "Now this we we can't prove this, but Donald Trump may have been a Russian asset since the 1980s." And I just started laughing. I'm like, "You really believe this stuff? Listen, man. And the moon could be made of cheese." Yes, exactly. Like, okay, listen. Could Donald Trump be a Russian asset? Yes, he could. It is in the realm of reality, unlike the moon being made of cheese. I'll give him that one. Fine. But to start from, like, to, in order to get that far, I got to tell you, man, 9-11 is an inside job sounds much more plausible than Donald Trump secretly working as a Russian agent to subvert America. Right. And, and having it succeed, right? Like, the, 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 <laughs> the, premise, the, the premise of what Jonathan Trade is saying is that we, we live in a universe where for the last, what is that, 33 years, the Russians, the Soviets... The Soviet. whose, whose <laughs> entire country then disbanded, and they kept this act up, right, and right. they managed to they managed to move along this Manchurian candidate through the New York City celebrity scene, and then eventually run him for president and have him win win the presidency <laughs> almost thirty like forty years later. Like, do these people hear themselves even a little bit? Like, Dude, it's it's, it's so far beyond the realm of possibility that and and here and if you want to make the QAnon compa- comparison too, the idea that there is a global cabal of people, wealthy people, particularly liberal donors, who are uh, raping and assaulting children is a lot more believable, I it, think. It there's, is. there's a lot more evidence on the books that that is something that now, exists than trumping Russian assets. Now, to go to the more extreme elements of some of these conspiracies about like the Satanist and like, yes, weird yes, occult yes, stuff, yes, yes. It, it, it does get in, in, into, the, into the crazy realm, if for sure. But look, we've got a, a dude who had an island. And uh, uh, he had uh, a lot of friends and a lot of high places who traveled to that island. And we know about this. We have witness testimony. A witness claimed Bill Clinton had visited the island. So there actually is court documents and witness testimony saying, hey, this stuff might be happening. Now, of course, you might get conspiracy theorists who take that and turn it into this ridiculous and more extreme conspiracy about, you know, superhero yeah. Trump fighting an evil globalist cabal or whatever. <laughs> yes, yes. With tiny breadcrumbs. It's like, it's like iRobot, right? Like, yeah. These tiny little breadcrumbs <laughs> that lead you to the conclusion and only but, if you're paying close attention. But it, but it, it, it is, uh, you are correct. It is uh, absolutely correct to say that the Russiagate conspiracy stuff is a, a full order of magnitude more insane. Yeah. And it's still, to dis- Adam Schiff just tweeted we got a new whistleblower complaint about Russian exactly. interference and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, here we go again. Yeah. It's, it's nonstop with these people about the conspiracy theories. They, 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 they make things up. They push them with impunity. Right. Because they Key. control the media. And everyone just reacts to whatever the media says. And yeah. what I mean by the media, I just mean high-profile news organizations like the New York Times. You know, uh, Tom Cotton writes an op-ed <laughs> saying, send in the troops. They, they, they write multiple apologies. Then there's a staff revolt. Then the guy resigns. The, the, the editor resigns. Do, do, do you see the thing about Newsweek where this professor wrote that Kamala Harris might not be eligible for, for the office? I see that. Yeah. And then Newsweek issued, I think, like seven apologies. I believe that. I totally believe that. They, yeah, they, 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 they pulled they, down real quick. They were like, editor's note. We did not mean to imply. Editor's note again. We really feel editor's note again. Editor's note again. And then finally, they did a whole new write-up explaining the conversation Amazing. because... The because they got attacked by leftist activists. Yep. This is this is something I was talking about. I had a, had a really long conversation with my friend the other day. It was really interesting, and I said, I think what we're seeing is the leftward lurch is an, is is uh, it's got too much momentum. Yeah. Effectively, what happened is it's it's something I described before. 
we have tribalism, mm -hmm. which means that the the uh, political factions are divided to a point where it's nonsensical. Yep. Now, for the most part, I think whatever side we're on, I'm I'm a pretty liberal individual, like like old school liberal, whatever. The right. left is something entirely tribalistic and nonsensical. So I'm sure you and I disagree on a lot of things. Yeah. But we get along just fine talking politics, even if we disagree. Right. So that's so I don't want to claim that the tribalism is equally bad. I don't think it is. But the left is now, you know, adhering to uh, uh, their. I kind of lost my train of thought because I started getting into the the, the whole right right time. <laughs> what were you talking about before this? Conspiracy so theories. So the ones on the left. No, I think I lost my train of thought. I had a really ah. good point. It just slipped out of me. You know, there, it's gone. It's it. It's over. Sorry, It'll everybody. It was going to be happens. the most profound epiphany ever. It was going <laughs> to change the world and, and save everyone. Oh, and then, that was it. And I got to yeah. be honest with you, not a good time to lose that epiphany. This it's is gone. This is kind of we a great it. moment we to have need an epiphany. This, Tim. Yeah. But pre-epiphany, I think you made a really good point when you talked about the fact that people on the left can push conspiracy theories and other just right. really bad ideas with impunity. Um, and I think I think it's true and it's accurate and it's fair to say that we have a crisis in this country of, uh, call it fake news, call it whatever you want, but of disinformation, of people believing facts that just aren't so and an inability for our current systems to keep up with those facts that aren't true. I remember the epiphany. Ooh, good. Yeah, it was the leftward lurch. That's what I was talking there. about. And so what I was saying is, because the left isn't talking about policy mm -hmm. so much as whatever you say we disagree with, it's turned into this weird thing where the media and our cultural institutions always side with the left. Yep. There was a study a few years ago I covered where they mapped out Twitter and they found that brand marketing existed overlapping with the resistance, the anti-Trump resistance on Twitter. Yeah. Probably because the same people who work in marketing live in the same areas and are friends with the same people who work in journalism. Mm -hmm. So when they see their friends tweet something like Orange Man Bad, they think, I know, let's put out an ad campaign for our soda company called Orange Man Bad. Or the soda company goes to them and say, what sells? Orange Man Bad. Right. That's why you end up with rainbow logos for every single company in, in I think, what, February is yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, no, not uh, February, uh, April? That sounds right. I'm sorry. I don't remember which month. I don't mean that to be disrespectful, but that's, I just don't remember. Maybe it's June, actually, that uh, uh, all the rainbow logos appear. Because all the brands agree on the same thing. Right. If you come out and say something negative, you'll be banned. Right. So that's the left word lurch. The momentum is too strong. So COVID is a really good example. If you come out and say, there's a really interesting study on COVID, banned. Yeah. But if you come out and say, the, it's the end of the world, COVID is killing everybody, and we have to lock down forever, you're good. Or how about this? Donald Trump is personally responsible for 80 to 90% of deaths. So Joe Biden said that. Yeah. And the Washington Post actually said he made that up. It's completely wrong, you know, and, and I respect them for calling him out for it. Me too. It. That's, yeah, good on them. But, but is that video going to get taken down? Are they going to be, no, no, Joe Biden's saying that. Oh, of course that. not. That's not going to get taken down. There's not going to be consequences. There's not going to be any cancel culture or so, lost YouTube privileges. Let's, let's put it this way. You have two people standing before the world. One guy on the left, one guy on the right. The guy on the left yells at the top of his lungs, COVID is going to kill everybody. Everyone shut down your businesses and hide in your homes. And they go, ah, the guy on the right says, everybody calm down. It's not that bad. The mortality rate isn't that bad. And then he gets removed from the scene. Now you only have one guy screeching the end is nigh. Right. And so everyone just runs for it and goes and hides. And anytime any one of these people pops up and says, I disagree, gone. Yep. So you had, uh, I think it was the best example of this is Breitbart. When they got their video removed from Facebook, Breitbart filmed a press conference of doctors, one of which was, was, was you know, considered to be a kooky doctor. Sure, whatever. Fine. But you had a press conference in D.C. Breitbart is a news organization. All they did was film it. It was put on by a Congress member. Yeah. Facebook removed it because of what the, 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 the doctors said. Yeah, so so w w Breitbart didn't say it. 
Breitbart was just a news organization saying a congressman held a press conference. Shouldn't they just put like a fact check or something? I mean, even, even that you goes think, but well, even that goes farther than I think they should. It's like it's a news organization who filmed some doctors and a congressman. And here's what they said. That's not why is Facebook removing a news organization? Right. It's because the leftward lurch. You're allowed to say things in favor of leftist orthodoxy, yeah. even if everyone disagrees with it. So I'll tell you the craziest thing that I was told. I had, I had a friend tell me that they're, you know, kind of a liberal, but that they are scared of how the left is going in terms of abortion because they think it's wrong. Interesting. Okay. And I said, then you need to go tell people that. And they said, oh, God, no. Like, I yeah. can't. I can't say anything like that. And I said, what if it's true that every one of your friends agrees with you, but the only reason you think this is because none of you will say it? What if you come out and say it? Well, the problem is the other people, you know, like the other people in the, on the left, even if they agree, will be like, I'm not going to be the deviant. Yep. And they're going to point and they're going to, you know, hiss at exactly. him. Exactly. But you know who can always be the deviant? You can always lean left. And I think that's the, the, right. the key of the lurch is that the, on, the only person who's never going to be problematically offensive within that worldview is the person who pushes it a little bit farther. Right. It's yet a little bit more critical to the critical race theory or the critical gender theory or whatever it is. You can always go further to the left without having to worry that you're going to be the bad guy. And so it is. It's this drift and you get all of these kind of like you, you get these people who are dragged along with it who don't like like your friend who don't like doing it that's the cato study we talked about it's the 60 percent right. of people who like there are probably lots and lots of people who i know in dc who work for liberal organizations who just aren't quite liberal enough and they're a little bit worried that like that that guy who lost his job for retweeting a link that said that destructive riots aren't politically beneficial right like, <laughs> that they hurt your cause and the guy lost his job i mean it's like it, right. it's that crazy you know what they can do though what in secret they can vote they can vote I don't think it's enough. Um, I think it's good. I don't think it's enough. And I think one of the one of the issues is if you control culture, you've won. Yeah. And so uh, maybe not permanently, but for now, you know, you, what is what is it saying? Whoever controls the past controls the present. Who controls oh, the present yeah. controls the future. Is that something 1984 like that. or something? That sounds like it should be. It sounds Orwellian. That's it's right. Gotta right, be right. That. Maybe it's Animal Farm. So here's what happens. People are seeing all this happen around them and they're getting scared. They go into the voting booth and they vote for Trump. The leftists in media use this as proof. White supremacy. America's a white supremacist country. See, right. the racist got elected again. That proves it. Young people who don't know better are being indoctrinated into that new world. Yep. So they aren't voting. They will grow up and say, this is what the media has told me my whole life. This must be true. Right. And then the secret pro-Trumpers who wouldn't speak up and wouldn't teach the next generation are gone. Yeah. And you have a brave new world. An Orwellian. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right. And part of it, too, is... You know, you've, it's, it's also like, who are the types of people who tend to be teachers? Like the, the political bent of a lot of very important informative organizations happen to lean left. Journalists, teachers, all these other individuals. And so because of that, you do have this, this kind of surround sound of a certain perspective that a bunch of young, impressionable people, and even not young, but generally impressionable people take as a given, take as a fact, take as a, a reality that's going on around them, and they don't know any better. And I think it's particularly true if you don't have people who are super into politics. Yeah, I think the one the, the, the one thing that people are missing is the schools. And it's it's yeah. amazing to me that conservatives are fighting so hard to get their kids back into them when we're seeing these leaked curriculums showing that it's all like gone in, in a crazy indoctrination. 
they're telling the kids all of these insane things. Yeah, I mean, like there's weird dogma. And and there's some I think Twitter honestly is is probably what opened my eyes to it. But there's some really good people who make a really good push for don't send your kids to government schools. You can homeschool if you can't homeschool. Send your kids to private schools if you can't afford private schools. Find a charter that'll take you in. Like yeah. there are a lot of other options, and I think that's what you got to do. You know, I I think you you've got to start finding models to break it because it's not going away on its own, right? You look at something like the LA Unified School District. There's no there's no amount of reform or tweaks or change or God forbid money that's going to fix that thing, right? Yeah. And so I wonder if you don't just have to let it go on its own, or if nothing else, you got to kind of say, hey. To, sucks it's a shame but my kids aren't going to have to suffer the consequences of this thing. school choice yeah and you know uh trump included that as a, a agenda for a second term yeah and it's really amazing we had a uh, colin do you know colin Wright? he's a I know that I do, actually. evolutionary biologist we had him on uh, uh i think earlier this week and he talks a lot about gender and stuff and he mentioned how he used to be opposed to it you know because he thought it was going to be used to teach evolution and creationism but now that he sees what the intersectional, the identitarian left is doing, he's yeah. like, school choice, voucher program, get the kids, put them where you want because this has gone too far. And I'm right there with him. Yeah. The, the, the craziest thing to me is earlier this year, and, and, and I really do love talking about guns now because I'm like a new gun guy. Ah, okay, got yeah. it. And so earlier this year, I was like, I don't want any guns in my house. Now I have six. Amazing. I shouldn't have said that. Also, I also have other other uh, legal <laughs> means of defense outside of those there too. It is. So. Yes, indeed. Yeah, but um, I do, I do, I do. Definitely, we, we have. Uh, uh, I mentioned this. I think Crowder asked me, and I was just like, "Oh, we got a bunch of compound bows, a bunch of recurve bows." Amazing. Yeah. We're like we're ever since the riots happened. Yeah, I don't blame you. I I've, mean, I've I've gone. We had we had um, uh, Corey DeAngelis on, and yeah, then he, oh, he explained. He's great. He's yeah, really he's great. brilliant. He explained to me voucher program school choice, and I was like. It's brilliant. I love it. Yeah. Let's do it. Why can't parents choose what, where their kids go to school? Yeah. And then uh, when the riots broke out and uh, I saw what was happening and I heard the helicopters, I went and bought a bunch of guns. Yep. So there has been a big rightward lurch too, a, a sort of shock to liberals yeah. who were asleep, not paying attention. And I'm someone who did pay, pay attention. But for the most part, I was like, eh, well, I'm not going to buy a gun. What am I? Yeah, and then riots exactly. happened and I'm like, I'm going to go buy a gun. Yeah. And I bought a bunch. Yeah, I don't blame you. And I think what you're going to see is you're going to, like, as someone who lives in D.C. and is familiar enough with the D.C. gun laws to know that they're pretty awful, I think you're right. also going to see a lot of people leaving the cities for those sorts of reasons, too. Right? And I think I, I th you make a really, really good point on the school choice stuff because I think yeah. that people were fed up with their, their schools already. But now the way that they're handling the coronavirus stuff, I think, is going to be what puts a lot of people over the edge. And they say, you know what? This is too important. My children's education is too important for me to screw up, particularly in a hyper-competitive world, that I can't just let them walk down the road to school, even if that's the closest, easiest option, even if their friends are there, whatever, because it's 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 too great a sacrifice. It's not just that. It's, you, have you heard about these pods that are popping up? I have, yeah. So so parents, their, their kids aren't in school, so they're teaming up and putting all the kids under, like they're all pitching in for a tutor, and the tutor teaches all the kids. Right. Saves money for everybody. Yeah. Instead of having one tutor teach one kid, you have one tutor teach 20 kids. Congratulations, you made a school. Yep. So now you've got parents who are saying, if I'm going to be paying this tutor by pitching in with all my friends, why are my taxes going to a school exactly. I don't use? Exactly. I would like my money back. Yeah. And Trump said, we're going to get you your money back. Yeah. <laughs> it makes sense. And why, you, why would we, you know? And you can't blame them, right? I mean, I think, you know, you're right. And the other thing, too, is it it solves for the socialization problem caused by the pandemic, right? It, it Obviously, it helps the parents out tremendously and they get a better experience having a tutor than having their parents teach them. But it also lets kids be kids and allows them to yeah. play with their friends and go out and, and do all the sorts of things that they can't do right now in the pandemic. And I think they are going to sit back and say, hey, you know what? This wasn't so bad, right? I think if I think if the, if this continues to happen with schools, you're going to have a lot of people who go through half of a school year or a whole school year and you have these disaffected parents who are like, I don't know, they're maybe like crunchy, granola-y, like pretty leftward-leaning people who are like, 
this isn't terrible, and I think actually it's a lot better than this now scary alternative that I haven't seen before. I, I think the most important thing is that uh, kids spend too much time socializing with each other. So, I, so I'll put it this way. I look at schools, and what do we see? The teachers and the students are typically adversarial. Mm -hmm. The kids, like, school sucks. That's like a... Kids say it all yeah. the time. Yeah. Well, they're going to a place they hate. They're, they're under the command or authority of someone they don't like. They, they can't even go to the bathroom if they, if they need to unless they get permission. Right. That's a horribly authoritarian system. And then they're getting their social cues from other people who have no understanding of social cues outside of... Right. So it's like... You take two people who can't speak any languages and put them in a room and they start making up weird gibberish <laughs> words. They're not going to function properly in the greater society. Yeah. So that's why I say kids are socializing too much. What we need is kids to be around their parents. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of homeschooling, but with these pods. So yeah. you have regular adults the kids can be around. And I also think it's very important that parents spend a lot of time teaching their own kids. Yeah. So I think, you know, if you go back to where, you know, how humanity essentially was developing, uh, at a certain point, I'm not going to speak. I'm not an anthropologist, but uh, the, the kid would the dad would be a blacksmith and the kid would grow up and his dad would be showing him what he did. Right. But more importantly, the dad would be like, yo, go grab a bale of water. I need it for, you know, the whatever. And the kid would go do it. And then the kids growing up being told, here's what you need. Here's why you need it. Here's what I need. Go get it right. for me. Eventually, that kid's a teenager and he's also a blacksmith. He's an apprentice. Yep. So he, he learns his whole life. He's around all the people coming in and, you know, uh, uh, um, you know, patronizing the business, and then he learns how to be a functioning human in this right. world. Today, we've we've removed that. Right. You, you you have kids who grow up have no idea how taxes work. Don't even know they got to pay them. Yeah. They're like, what do you mean I got to file a form? Says who? When? How? Yeah, exactly. They don't know how to even get a job. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to make a resume. You go to school. They don't know how to tell you how banks work. Not none of that. Yeah. They don't we, know how to be an employee either. I mean, they don't know how to be an employer. Also, the craziest thing to me is that when I was younger. I, I, I just I was just sitting there thinking one day and I thought, how do you make money? Like, how do you get money to buy something you want? And I realized all I've got to do is convince that guy holding that green piece of paper to put the green piece of paper in my hand. <laughs> it's really fundamentally that simple. Yeah. So what can you do to get it? And it has to be honest. You don't you, you can't defraud somebody and you can't take it from my force. So I've got to find a way to convince them that he should give me that. So you can do you can trade something. I can say, I can give you this object. I, I, I made you a, a paper boat. Give me a dollar. Yeah. Or you can say, I will uh, you know, help you with your homework. What can you do to convince them? And that's how you make money. Not by going to a job and asking a machine to print money for you. Yeah. They think the only way to make money is to go to you know, a, a business, a corporation, and say, I would like access to the money printer. Right. And that's just, that's, that's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a failed worldview, and it's our fault for not teaching our kids better. Yeah. And I and think schools. It is. And I think bound up within that is also a, a lack of teaching of morality. And I think this is probably particularly bad as we get into a society where um, morality is less assumed, right? There's, there's plenty of benefits to that. But I think one of the consequences is that if we don't have a, a relatively fixed or understood morality, then um, kids grow up in an absence of morality as people who aren't moral actors themselves, right? They're, they're too young. They, they can't possibly understand. And so for a really long time, getting back to the, you know, the anthropological model, you had that was the role of the family or the community or the culture or the religion or whatever it is and now we've kind of we, we've we've foisted that onto a public school system that has no idea how to do it but unfortunately more and more is attempting to do it and i think that's where the real danger comes in i'll tell you what's really amazing uh, uh, are you christian yes yeah catholic so uh, i grew up catholic and my family left the church when i was real young and i became a disillusioned young person like very anti yeah. anti church and everything and then i had an a, like an epiphany when i met someone and and he just gave me some insight at a couple different uh, moments in my life and then i became i don't i don't necessarily want to say agnostic i do believe in god 
but I, I think it's not the uh, not like a theistic. Yeah, it's more sure. of an Einsteinian, or it's hard to explain. I, I have my own personal like belief system, but I was thinking about something really interesting because um, my buddy Adam, who I don't I don't know if you met him, he, he he's doing his own show. Hmm. He has a song he wrote, and we we used to, we used to jam on Friday nights, and he one of his lines is that um, it's time to confess our sins. He says that in one of his songs, and I thought about this, and I said the idea that a like secular urban liberal type would understand the concept of confessing your sins uh, means that he, he does have some understanding of confession yeah and that's right. catholic right yeah yeah it is so if i thought it was interesting because if you go to another country maybe in like east asia and and they're going to be like what's that yeah like the, I, I don't i don't understand what that is it doesn't exist in their culture and so when you talk about a shared morality what I think a lot of people in this country didn't realize, and I, and I learned this you know, very much later on, I remember hearing from a lot of liberals talking religion. They'd say something like, if you need religion not to like murder and rape people, then that scares me because, yeah. and I'm like, but what you don't realize is that your morals come from the same moral foundation. Right. And so I, I really had an amazing moment when I read about, when I was learning about Blackstone's formulation. Are okay. you yeah, 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 yeah. You know that's rooted in the Bible. Yes, yeah. Uh, I believe Sodom and, Sodom and Gomorrah. Yep, it is. If there is but one righteous person. Right. And so that evolved over time through uh, into English common law, which we brought to the United States. And now we have the Fifth Amendment, the right to a trial, the right to remain silent, the right, uh, the innocence until proven guilty is yeah. rooted quite literally. It's, it's so the, what I explain to people is you might not like the Bible and maybe like the uh, originalists who, you know, sure. yeah. who, who view it, you know, as, as verbatim. But what I, the way I see it is we started somewhere and maybe there's some things in here that were, were, were bad, but we kept the good. Yeah. And we carried the good with us, slowly refining it and making it better. Sure. And now when you come out and say, I don't need, you know, a, a religion to tell me why I'm moral. Then I say, but there are countries that don't have the presumption of innocence. Right. And so the presumption of innocence, while it is separated from from the faith, we've we've kind of like figured out that core element. Right. It, it, it's it's a shared morality from, you know, the similar values. So the, what, what, the reason I bring that up is even if, you know, I think this, this more relates to the, the 90s when I was growing up, mm -hmm. when you had the Democrats and a lot of secular liberal types who still had similar moral foundations. Exactly. Yeah. Even though the religion had been removed from it. Right. Well, now we're entering a point where the moral foundations are mirror images. Where you have uh, Black Lives Matter and critical race theory saying, you know, overtly racist things. So uh, part of our moral foundations is that we created the Civil Rights Act. You know, you can't discriminate against people based on these things. Yep. It's equality under the law. Well, now they want to erase that. Yeah. They, they say, well, we should be able to discriminate to help people. And that's when our moral foundations are now have become mirror image. So when I'm talking to my friend and I say, I refuse to live in a world without the Civil Rights Act. It was long fought by our great civil rights leader. We won and you want to repeal it. And their answer is, but we need to, to help people. I say, I don't care what you think you're doing. Right. The path to hell is paved with good intentions. Yep, exactly. So, yeah, I resist. Yeah. And I'm right there with you. And I think the, the, it's, it's right to say that they are in opposition. And I think one of the things that a lot of people, particularly a lot of people, I think BLM kind of forget is the idea of um, all people, like I don't want to say all lives matter, right? That's got political context. But the idea, right. that all, the idea that all of human life intrinsically has worth and value that is even, 
and equal is a very Christian concept, right? Yeah. This is this is St. Paul's writing. Yep. This is ni- <laughs> n- neither neither it's neither not- Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free. These are Christian. Con- these were these were incredibly unfamiliar at the time. And yep. so you're right. There's so much of this that that then gets it gets passed down to culture. It gets passed down to common law. It gets passed down to the the sort of values that we share as a people. And you're right. For a really long time, we could fight about what those values were. And for a long time, obviously, there's meaningful meaningful problems in how those values existed, right? Particularly before the 1960s, yeah. there were enormous, enormous problems with the way that we reflected these values. But I do think that probably from, I don't know, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, there was a really valuable shared framework with which we discussed moral issues. And we're very rapidly moving to a point where we are throwing out the idea that even having that confined conversation is valuable. So here's here's kind of what I think uh, in that context where I said the morality has shifted the base of it. I am a liberal individual. Uh, I grew up very briefly Catholic. So I, I, I grew up and I long have since forgotten a lot of the stuff they taught us in these in, in, in Catholic school. Sure. Although I still remember some of the songs. It's kind of funny because we, you know, we they stay with you. They will they always do. stay with they you. They do. Even though I was a little kid. But a lot of the moral foundations, I think that's what it is. I think I think even secular liberals don't realize they were raised in a sort of a Judeo-Christian mm-hmm. framework. Whether it's good or bad is not the point. I'm just saying we shared a lot of these same values. I mean, the Ten Commandments or, or the, the Blackstone's formulation. Right. But now we have a new, a new idea of a new world where we're colonizers, we're evil, where white people, they say, you know, uh, are evil and have all these whiteness traits like hard work and planning for the future. And it's a really weird thing. Yeah. But their moral framework is completely inverted. Right. So here's what I think. How is it that you and I, you know, we're, we're having a conversation. You, I, I, is it fair to say you're a Catholic conservative? Yeah, yeah. I'm like a, 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 a I, don't, I don't know if it's fair to say I'm like secular. I don't know what I am. But I'm not a non-theistic liberal type. Yeah. We agree on so much. Right. And it's because of <laughs> yeah. a, a, a rooted moral foundation, I think. Yeah, exactly. And again, you can quibble on so many of the details. And I think that one of the, one of the big important things here is what we're seeing in the streets in places like Portland, those aren't quibbles. Those, those, aren't, those aren't splitting yep. hairs about... about a 25% effective tax rate versus a 27% effective right, tax right, rate. Right. <laughs> it is a bunch of people who fundamentally do not believe in the rules that have governed our entire system since, like, I don't know, we became an agricultural civilization. But it's, it's beyond that. It's, it's like, uh, well, yes, yes. It's also in the, uh, in the nitty-gritty of our current society, they believe they have a right to use violence against you. We typically, you know, like uh, for the longest time, most Americans were not in agreement. And I love it when people bring up the weather underground. They're like, yeah, but what, you know, if you want to talk about how bad things are, the weather underground. And I was like, I could be wrong, but didn't they do shock and awe campaigns in the middle of the night when no one was around because yeah. they didn't want to hurt people? Yeah. And they ended up killing someone, I think, because they were, they were like, they didn't know they were going to be in there. Yeah, exactly. I think that's right. It was like their intent and, and what they did was wrong. Like, no, no okay. joke. Yeah, absolutely. But like they were avoiding hurting people. The people today uh, in these riots, they're actively hurting people. In fact, they've killed people. There's there's 15 dead from the riots, and with a Chaz chop, they literally killed people. Yeah. The security guards unloaded, according to witnesses, for like a minute, just round after round into a vehicle with some teenagers in it, Jeez. because they thought the teenagers were like white supremacists, but they weren't. They were yeah. just kids. So they, they're literally like, light them yeah. up. And, and so much of it, too, and I think one, my biggest, I think my biggest problem, biggest qualm with all this is they're reframing and rephrasing the way violence works and is defined. Oh, totally. And so if you can say words are violence 
and you really fundamentally believe words are violence and using the wrong pronoun is a threat against someone the way that lots of lots of blue check twitter activists will tell you these things are literal violence then it doesn't surprise me when those same people look at Rand paul getting assaulted and say <laughs> eh, like how is that how is that worse than mess, messing up someone's pronouns how is that worse than yeah than, but- than, than like the 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 drinking from the kool-aid of white supremacy or whatever lady gaga said the other day words are violence Silence is violence. Silence too, right. And silence is consent. Okay, so uh, they've covered all the bases, right? Yeah. If you say nothing, you're being violent and consenting to whatever's happening around you. Right. And so that applies in all contexts. If you don't, if you're not speaking up against the riots, then you are uh, effectively condoning them. Yeah. And you're also being violent against them for not supporting them. And if you say anything, you're being violent against them. Therefore, no matter what you do, we must beat you and crush you. There's no winning that one. And and really, to me, what it comes down to is it's it's intellectual extortion, right? You are looking at people and you are saying you can either agree with me or you can face violence. Like it's like the Sopranos if the Sopranos took over (laughs) like a Twitter and academia. That's what we're seeing happen in real time. And it's amazing because there's so many people who are kind of getting their they've got the gun in their back or the sword in their back. They're walking the plank and they're like, it's fine. Can you guys did you see what Trump tweeted about today? Like it's such a big concern and they don't see what's going on around them and the radical truly radical shifts that we're seeing in the way that that are the discourse just takes place i wonder you know uh, elaborating on this moral uh you know shared moral framework idea i wonder if the reason why we kind of have default liberals you know people who just kind of vote democrat and don't really pay attention Mm -hmm. is because they don't really have any kind of moral framework so they just default to the left and they say sure whatever then you have the far leftists who have a radically different moral framework where their power is paramount right. and, and the health of the tribe and the survival of the tribe is more important than individual rights. Then you have the traditional American faction, which includes liberals and conservatives. Yeah. And that is a shared moral framework on specific. Uh, I, I guess it's I, I guess it's fair to say Judeo-Christian values, kind of. We were founded as a Christian nation, but um it's 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 become something a bit broader than that, but there is a rooted shared moral framework. So yeah. So I wonder if the reason why this is what I'm saying is there are you know people who are just not paying attention, right? Who will go out and vote for Joe Biden without knowing anything about what's going on, and it could be because their moral framework is is absent. They're yeah. just they're just I want to feed my family. I don't care about anything else. Yeah, exactly. And I th- I think that's I think that's a good way to look at it. And I think part of it too is there's a lot of people who in the absence of having a particularly firm moral framework, it's really easy to adopt. My Catholic is really showing here, but it can be really easy to adopt a worldly moral framework, right? And so if your moral framework is basically, I don't know, Twitter and Facebook and whatever video you find on YouTube and the movies that you watch and the video games you play, then that that can be super, super problematic for in a lot of different yeah. reasons. And so I think it can be easy to adopt that instead and that that, yeah. is, that is destined to fail. But that that's, that that's almost that passive sort of framework that ends up resulting. You know, I've had a video on my main channel about Jordan Peterson for a long time. I've never, t- I've, it's, it's like my default video from years ago. And okay. I, I basically talk about how we're, we're experiencing a crisis of purpose where you have a lot of far leftists who they don't know what their purpose is. So they've created one. Yes. It's challenging the empire and white supremacy. Right. But then you have a lot of other people who have no purpose. So they just sit around playing video games all day. Then they find someone like Jordan Peterson who tells them, here's how you develop purpose. Yeah. You know, find the heaviest thing you can and then carry it. And that is, uh, you know, a part of the culture war. People who have nothing to do and don't understand, but are longing to, to, right. to do something. 
because I think we all are, right? Like, I think at the yeah. end of the day, and, 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 you know, I think Peterson really struck a chord, I think, with a lot of people for exactly that reason. It's he understands that people fundamentally, and in a lot of cases, particularly young men, are striving for some level of meaning in a world that has very, very little meaning. And outside of the more traditional, like, I need to go be a blacksmith because I need to keep growing the, the family blacksmith building, or outside the, you know, the confines of traditional faith, it can be really, really hard to find something. And so if you've got this quasi-religion and leftism, it's a really, really easy thing to glam on to we've uh we've kind of won we have abundance of food we're all overweight uh yeah so what do people do and so they just they got to figure something out otherwise what's the meaning of life why are they alive and then they just i don't know they sit in their bedrooms bored and yeah. scared but yeah. they, they found a new meeting in this in this new dogma right because at the end of the day what critical race theory i think gives a lot of people a really great excuse to do is it gives them easy bad guys there are monsters they can go out and slay the monsters that are very obviously in front of them and i don't know maybe behind them in line at the supermarket too it's everywhere it's omnipresent this awful terrible thing that is toxic whiteness or toxic masculinity or toxic whatever you want to get mad about if it's everywhere then every day of your life can have meaning it's like you're on a giant open-ended rpg video game <laughs> where you're adventure where, yeah you're going on an adventure and there's always going to be some monster that crawls out of the forest that you get to be the righteous one to destroy and the problem is the people that they always happen to find and the issues they keep finding aren't monsters right and there's no it's one just, to tell them they're not monsters right there's no great enemy yeah let's go jump to the uh, super chats and someone brought up a good point that uh, i'm gonna go ahead and assume is correct i'm not entirely sure but they said the vice president breaks a tie in the supreme court i don't know if that's true what? i don't know if that's true but someone commented that so we Interesting. Gotta, we have a cat desperately Listen, trying to steal water from everybody. I would believe just about anything right now, to be honest right. with you, about who raised a tie in the Supreme Court. You, right. So, that doesn't sound right to me, though. It doesn't sound right to me either, but yeah. I don't know what would sound right. Like, I don't know who don't know. you would say Lydia, and say, this is Google right. It. Uh, let's, uh, let's read what Wolf Ranger has to say. Wolf Ranger says, please go back on Joe Rogan. His curator, Jamie, ah, okay. Jamie, wrongfully told him there was no instance of mail-in ballot problems and other fallacies. Joe has a, bi a big platform, and it's important he not push these and other false narratives to his audience. Yeah, Joe had a, uh, oh, man. Joe got called out by Media Matters for America, which is a left-wing uh, conspiracy theory organization that just, like, make up smears against people. You know what my favorite thing Media Matters ever did was? Which? They accused me of pushing a conspiracy theory that Ilhan Omar may have married her brother. And the image they used was a picture of me quite literally reading the Star Tribune that said it <laughs> verbatim. So it's like... That's amazing. That, that's why I, in my main channel, I have the news source right big on the screen. Yep. And that's all you, you see. You can't miss it. And so they were like, Tim Poole falsely claimed. And it's me going like, I'm shocked. And I'm like, it says Ilhan Omar may have married her brother. And yep. I'm like, I just read the newspaper, Local dude. reporting. Like, like. And it's got a check mark from NewsGuard. Yeah. So anyway, Joe Rogan said on his show that there was a bunch of crazy people uh, starting fires and um, that, it, he, he, that that is true there are a bunch of but he said then he said and this is out west where right, in right, California right. all the fires this, this is 100% this is factually true and I actually I think I have the source and um, I think it's be, it would be wise to actually pull that up because they're going to try and drag me for it so we'll just leave it on the screen while I talk about this so uh, he said what's going on in the west coast with these like wildfires something is crazy you got these crazy people it's all it's nuts they're starting fires and then he said they've actually arrested like some activists like some leftists for starting these fires he said forest fires that was wrong it's nitpicking but they're wildfires he said activists and people when in fact it was one leftist it was a guy named jeffrey accord who was a known black lives matter defund the police activist who got arrested according to the police trying to start a fire in the brush he did start a fire they put it out i believe yeah one guy 
Then you had, according to, we have Oregon Catalyst, they track 14 different arsons identified on the West Coast. So yes, there are more than a dozen people. And here are all the stories and all the links. You got San Francisco Chronicle, you got KHQ. So anyway, Joe, because Media Matters came after him, I don't know why, I guess he felt like he should make a correction. And his correction was wrong in the other direction. Yeah. And so, uh, man, bummer when you try and play this game and you don't have a fact checker or anything like that. So Joe ended up making an Instagram video that got like a million plus views where he said, hey, I was wrong. I said people were starting fires. That's not true. It is true. People are starting fires. They're just not Antifa. Even BuzzFeed News reported, yes, there's a bunch of arson. No, it's not Antifa. There was one leftist who got arrested. So, you know, look, I I think it's crazy that uh, like people go after Joe this hard on this stuff because he's like. He's a podcast of hanging out with his buddies, and it's turned into what, like, Larry King, Walter Cronkite yeah, like, exactly. level of journalism. And I'm like, dude, the comedian hanging out with his buddies is not supposed to be the most rigorous fact check, but people pile on him, and they're like, he's got to know everything. And it's like, how do you do a podcast where you're just a comedian hanging out with your friends and interesting people yeah. if you, if, and, and if people are trying to force you to literally know everything? Yeah, and also, like, what a great way to rob the fun of a fun podcast <laughs> to say, hey, not only do you have to be on all the time, all of your guests have to be on all the time, and if not, nah, who knows? Yep. Maybe, maybe they're, maybe they're going to boycott the people who put ads on your, on your programs or whatever it is. Yep, yep, and, and he apologized, and his apology is wrong. So and I now mean, and now he's and the problem is and we were talking about this earlier. Once you apologize, you don't get a do over, right? You say something, you get exactly one do over to either double down or apologize, and that's it. You, you got to make your bet. I, I got to be honest though. I think Joe is kind of the like the chill enough dude to put another video another video out. Like, <laughs> dude, there actually is arson. It's just an antifa man, you know, because he's he's. I think he's he kind of. It's it, you wouldn't expect it from a major corporation. Yes, their Good PR point. department would be lighting on fire. But Joe's the kind of guy who's going to be like, I'm just going to you know. But we'll see if he does. And uh, man, that's rough because yeah. I'll tell you what, I bet if Joe came out and said, look, I found this, this link showing all these different stories of all this different arson, then he's going to get media matters again saying say Rogan right doubles down and lies again. And so what do you do? So I think it's a huge challenge because if you come out and say there's no arson when there is, well, then you're not being truthful. Right. And if you're worried about, you know, getting attacked and they could destroy your business, then we got a serious societal problem. Yeah, you know, and and, and I, unfortunately, I think that's about where we're at, right? Like, it's it's a really really easy thing to go and destroy someone's career, and like again, this guy's not a wildfire expert. The other thing too is this isn't like he's not saying that. Oh yeah, did you hear the moon landing was fake? Like he right. he was like a, 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 a well intentionally, yeah. Like he's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fair. No, 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 he's got like old episodes of crazy fun conspiracy talk, but like it, you know, that's that's the crazy thing. Joe Rogan's show was having fun with his friends and <laughs> yeah. talking about crazy stuff, and they turned him into Larry King live. It's, you have to be 100% correct all the time. Yeah. It's a failure of journalism. I think the, the, reason why, why he, the reason why that has happened to him is that so many people don't trust the people yep. who are supposed to be giving them the right news that they go to him and he becomes a de facto by default news provider. And so they're like, okay, well, the, it's, it's an institutional failure. And he is unfortunately facing the ramifications of an institutional failure for which he's not responsible. How amazing is it that, you know, whether people want to accept it or not, even Joe... He is a top news source for people. Yeah. No joke. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's crazy, right? And it's, <laughs> it's crazy in an era where like we've all got supercomputers in our pockets and we are beamed constantly with an enormous amount of information. All you have to do is like tell it decent and tell it straight. And like the, the eyes will come. They, they, they will follow you to the truth, I think, in most cases. Um, and it's, it's amazing what so many people have done to light their own and their own institution's credibility on fire yeah. to get to a point where there are millions and millions of people who are going to Joe Rogan to say, hey, tell me what happened today in the world. Yep. 
And to to be fair, that's not even Joe's job. No. So he's not. He, he he's like a regular dude. Who's like, don't look at me. I don't know. <laughs> and but but I think that's why I'm. You know, people come to my show uh, a lot because I quite yeah. literally will have the source on the screen. I don't say unless I can fact check it. Otherwise, I tell you, Google it now. You fact check me. I could be wrong about this. And I that's like the best I can do. And it's funny when I get it when I get attacked by a lot of people, and I'm like, dude, I know I'm wrong. Yeah. Like I do my best. I don't know what you want me to do. I just like I read the news. I pull the sources up. They're all certified. I use a third party fact checking and rating agency. That is the best any person could probably do. And I am right. trying, man. But they don't like it. Yeah. Because that, they don't like the truth. And it's it's amazing too because I think part of it is so many people have kind of thrown their hands up with a lot of media now to say, you know what? I know like even I think even the true believers, even the real anti-Trump people are still kind of like, yeah, you're right. Some of this is kind of BS fake news. And so I think they have this kind of this miscast anxiety and frustration and desire to hold someone accountable. And it's not going to be, you know, they're, they're not going to go on and complain about Sanjay Gupta or, right. or Anderson Cooper or Jake Tapper or something like that because it's it's too far away from them. But they see someone with a podcast. And they're like, you should do better. Look, you've got that computer up on your up on. I can see it right there. Like, why? Why aren't you doing more? Why aren't you doing better? But again, it's it's this miscast cast aggression and frustration because what they're really probably mad about is the failed institutions who have let them down well when it comes to the media like media matters for instance they're just going after for joe politically because joe joe is a political obstacle he's an everyman yeah so you got to you got to be careful when bad faith actors accuse you of lying and that's the thing too it's so easy especially when you put out enough content it's so easy to take anything and spin it out of context like, totally. if you, like you know this infinitely better than i do when you've got hours and hours and hours of content that you're putting up every single week all somebody has to do some 19 year old kid at media matters for america just has to take one little snippet that maybe age poorly or look bad or whatever it was sl- splash that up with a bunch of other weird context they can pin together and boom you've got something that's going to be of interest to someone the good news is I guess no one cares enough about me. So like every it's re- it's really weird as much as like a lot of people watch my content. I'm just so like tepid and and milk toast for the political world <laughs> that it's like even when someone does pull something out of context, no one cares. They're like why sh-? like somebody somebody commented that I was like critical of some guy on Twitter and like said something offensive and the guy was like why should I care? <laughs> and it's like y- you shouldn't. That's like, amazing. You, you literally shouldn't. That's amazing. But uh, but I I, I I I try to avoid making direct derogatory statements. I try to be respectful. Yeah. And people tr- still try to come after me, and it's just like I think I'm too. Uh, I don't target individuals. You know what I mean? So that yeah. makes it really easy to hate somebody when they call out a sp- like a specific person yeah. at, at a certain tier. Like I'll talk about obviously AOC and Trump and Biden and stuff. Yeah. But I won't call out like a regular dude or you know I right. try to, I try to keep it above that stuff. Yeah, and I think you're not like you're not going for the clickbait, right? Like I think unfortunately, well, like you, you remember you people remember, accuse me of uh, you know. I'm sure, but like you remember like the forklift operator or whoever who like lost his job and got right. canceled because he made a meme or something like that's the sort of thing that unfortunately I think plays really well for people in the media because again when you when you I think when you peel back a lot of these the layers of um the you know the 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 white supremacist toxic culture we live in to to a lot of people is the people around you are bad right right that's really to me what it boils down to more than anything and like it's it's kind of like the get out mentality as you walk around the world it's you look around people everywhere and these are monsters these are demons they're bad people and so it's really really easy when you buy into a narrative like that to get just as bad at someone like aoc or someone like trump or someone like biden as it is the guy down the supermarket who you knew all along was always a bad person right so when you're able to paint wide wide swaths of this country as wrong and irredeemable 
then it becomes really, really easy when they do the tiniest thing wrong to watch them get destroyed because it's not them who's being destroyed, right? Yeah. Because if you're if if you believe the stuff, it's never the individual who's destroyed. It's always another domino of white supremacy that has fallen. <laughs> and who cares if it's some guy who lost his forty thousand dollar a year job supporting right. his family in rural Iowa? So uh, we're gonna read, read read some more super chats. Make sure you smash that like button. Just just like you know, or, or give it a little tight. <laughs> uh, do you want to shout out your your Twitter or any any? Oh yeah, um, want to mention social media? Yeah, I'm always on Twitter. So if you if you think, I, or even if you don't think anything I'm saying has value, and you just want to hate on it, I, I get lots of hate. I'm happy to respond to it. Awesome. It's it's Drew Holden three sixty on Twitter. Easy. Yeah. Easy to follow. So easy. Yeah. Let's uh, let's read uh, this show. We got Craig Cooper with a big old super chat. Appreciate it. He says, hi, Tim. Love the show. If people want non-woke sci-fi, they can check out my novel at cscooper.com.au. Copy should be in your P.O. box. The bug really messed my business up. Lost uh, lots of money. So shout out. Really appreciate it. Well, the the uh, the super chat's greatly appreciated. Awesome. So let's see. Uh, I can't I can't read that one. Okay, Chuck Morris says we have one president at a time and he selects the public servants. We are a nation of laws. Follow the Constitution, brothers. Colin P says Trump in Minnesota just said if I shaved my head, I'd be down 20 points. Should I shave my head? And the crowd no, booed. Didn't. No, he did it. That can't be real. Did we actually miss that? I Probably. I, I don't he did. I believe it. That sounds like something Trump would say. Have you you been to a Trump rally? He would say that. I have not been. I was going to go with a buddy of mine. And then um, what what happened? I think coronavirus just came in and it got canceled. Trump is political stand-up comedy. Yeah, it really is. And and, and he it's a cathartic, uh, cathartic uh, release. It is. It is like Jon Stewart. Yeah. So so I've been to so many Trump rallies. I went to the White House for that social media summit. Yeah. And it was just a Trump rally. I thought it was going to be like a sit down conversation. No, we just sat in a room and Trump did stand up. That's hysterical. And Trump is really funny. Yeah. You like his jokes. He has self-deprecating humor. He's very self-aware. And I was like, this is why people like him. Yeah. Because they're they're angry at the elites. They're angry at the media. They're angry at the every tower. And Trump knows they hate him, too. Yeah. And so he takes it all, but makes a joke care. out of it. He and doesn't th- care. He's not worked up that they don't like him. Yeah. And they like to claim he is. And I'm like, I don't think he watches Fox News. He's not watching you, dude. Yeah. You know, let's read some more. What do you got? Let's see. Car wash. Adam Cooper says money is never wasted when it's in support of Tim cast. Be a jerk. If you like no skin off my back. Appreciate it. Awesome. Let's see. Um, Bariqua Tano says Trump was just saying he wanted Ted Cruz for the Supreme Court in his rally. But then but then Texas loses Ted Cruz, you know, so it's it's rough. <laughs> yeah. John Marafa says, concerning the passing of RBG, one, the popping sounds you hear are leftist heads exploding. <laughs> Two, Democrats will be galvanized to vote. Three, yep. Trump voters will be even more galvanized to vote. Rip RBG. This with, is what with, we were talking with, about. with tremendous respect to Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you know, her family and everything. But I do think there's an interesting question about uh, if Republicans will be galvanized versus Democrats. And there's a good argument for, for both sides. Democrats are seeing the apocalypse before their eyes. Right. But Trump is, is going to appoint someone. They're going to get confirmed. So the Democrats have nothing to gain. The Republicans also don't. I mean, if Trump appoints someone now, then the Republicans are going to be like, we won. So if they get through. But I mean, that's the thing. Like, do they even have enough time between now and the election I to know. get somebody through? And so I think if it becomes an issue, and we were talking about this before, like if it becomes an issue that people are voting on, then I think it probably does galvanize Republicans more because there are a lot of like ever anyone who's got the the RBG T-shirts, they're already they're they're voting. They were right? voting. They're, already. they're voting yep. already. But I think there are a lot of like, I don't know, mild mannered dudes outside of Salt Lake who don't like Trump and don't like the way he talks, who maybe held their nose and voted for him in 2016, who are now like, oh, man, I don't want Biden to put someone on the bench and I can't stand Trump, but I'll take another conservative justice. Yeah. 
I think you. I think there are more of those people than someone with an RBG T-shirt who wasn't going to vote. Well, it's uh, yeah. The people who were going to vote for RBG have already been using that as an excuse. I think so too. Or, or vote because of her. All right, let's see what we got. Let's see what we got. Let's, uh, we'll try and jump down because we don't have too much time. Felwyn says, a split decision effectively upholds the ruling of the lower court. In the event of such a tie, the court typically issues what's known as a per curiam decision. Uh-huh. It is deemed not to have created precedent. Interesting. That I buy. That's yeah, we, that makes sense. We said a minute ago, like, I don't know what Someone somebody commented. could say that would make sense. Like, yeah. I buy that. I buy that, that. that There's Latin sense. in there, too. Okay. <laughs> I buy it. I buy it. <laughs> that proves <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. That proves it's like, it. oh, yeah. Skeleton King says, New York Post, campaign worker for Ilhan Omar's GOP challenger fatally shot. Yes. You hear about this one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was like a, a, a kid was like hanging out in front of a store and someone came up and shot him. Yeah, he was like a 17-year-old kid. I think he was killed in a drive-by. I yep. mean, I saw somebody, There's someone covered it and called it an assassination. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know enough about it to know if it was had anything to do with politics or, you know, unfortunately, he, he lives in a, a really awful area, as we've seen recently in Minneapolis in terms of crime and violence and... It, it, it could be tied to that. I don't know. It's tragic. Yeah. Obviously, he's a 17-year-old kid who lost his life. Yeah. His life. And, you know, somebody made a good point when they're talking about it, too. And they said, where, where's, where's Black Lives Matter on this one? That, right? where, I mean, where were they for David Dorn? Yeah. You know? Same thing. It's, it's, it's what they can use politically, I guess, you know? Yeah. It's only when they can target an institution. V. Sidious says, are the Democrats going to filibuster now that they just said it was racist? Interesting. Yeah. That is very interesting. Yeah, I forgot that old Jim Crow relic, the filibuster. Wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. Look how it comes back around oh, potentially. Weird. Interesting. I think I think it's probable. I think it's probable. Yeah. Oh yeah. Jacob Hawley says, Hey Tim, I have friends and family and they are stuck in New York and they are trying to make the best of what they have now. But we need help badly. So many businesses are gone. Save Coogan's restaurant Brooklyn Heights. Sorry to hear it, man. It's uh it's 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 a bummer. Footlong Gaming says, hi, Tim. Do you really think communists are trying to burn our country down? Um, you're, you're over there laughing. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. I'll answer that question it's for like, you. Yeah. I'm putting words in Tim's mouth. No, I'm just kidding. I do think they are. I think that's their main motivation. I mean, I think, it, but, I, but I want to be careful because I'm not going to act like it's 50 billion. You know, it's like a, right. a grand yeah. cabal it's of not, like but super secret, crazy, evil, whatever. Troublemakers. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Um. Makai Bry says the 1934 National Firearms Act tax suppress, uh, tax suppressors, short barrel rifles, shotguns, machine guns, etc. The tax for purchase levied in 1934 was $200. Arm weapons of offense or armor of defense. Should we tax a right? I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah, that sounds like a violation of the Second yeah, Amendment from right. a well, it sounds current like reading. Interesting. Need, uh, that sounds like that should go out the window. We need, uh, yeah, we need lawyers. Yeah. yeah, we need lawyers. Let's see. Val Eris says, good job tonight, you guys. People who still send their kids to these schools are as useless as the subjects that are being taught to them. <laughs> they may as well cast them into the sea and wait for the strongest to make it back to shore. Trade schools. Interesting. Shadi Viceroy says, I find your point about how we have no purpose. Uh, but I've noticed that people who create purpose for themselves, gener- uh, generally those individuals become successful. I think so. And that's, okay. what, but I think Jordan Peterson is like helping guide people to that, to that point, you know? Let's see. Rob Shade says, saw it above and def agree. Spin the cat. No. <laughs> no. We don't, we don't no. spin no, the no, cat. No. We don't spin the cat. Uh, let's see. I want to make sure I get to some of the earlier super chats so people don't miss out. The first super chat of the night was Matthew Hammond who said, why does the media downplay COVID originating from a Chinese lab and always add a qualifier that it is not man-made like the faked fact checks you talk about? It can come from a lab and be from nature. Right. So uh, early on, there was concern that uh, COVID was an accidental breach because they were doing research. But Tucker Carlson just had an expert who claimed to be a whistleblower. Now, I just think it's easier to uh, uh, it, it, it is simple enough to say 
that China has its issues with sanitation. And if you told me that there were unsanitary conditions in a wet market that resulted in COVID, I'd be like, it's, 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 yeah, a, simple, it's a simple solution. Up. It is. But I do think it's fair to point out that you can have a, a, a researcher, an actual doctor who worked in a university say, here's what I know. And they'll say, this expert doesn't count. Right. But then they'll pull an American expert who didn't work in any university anywhere in China and say, but their, their opinion does count. Right. So it's like you're picking and choosing which experts you make sense based on the orthodoxy. Yeah. As much as I don't agree with the narrative that it came from a lab until we get some hard evidence. Right. But I think we probably need to have enough leeway to be able to find that evidence insofar as it exists. Yeah. Exactly. Otherwise, you know, we're just not able to have the conversation. Right. Oh, yeah. All right. Let's see what we got here. Some of, some of the earlier super chats. Joe Strickland says, this is the worst thing that could have happened to Trump. Now the Dems will be highly motivated in reference to Ruth Bader Ginsburg's passing. I thought that was me on the show. I was like, oh, man, I mean, I might be oh, bad, man. but I didn't know I was that bad. <laughs> no, Trump needs to seat a, uh, a new judge ASAP. But uh, yeah, filibuster. I mean, they're going to jam it up. Yeah. And it's going to motivate them to an absurd degree if it doesn't happen. But Republicans, too. Yeah. And the the last thought I have on that is I. The the other thing that you got to throw in this equation is how it's going to be covered in the media. And so if you've got all of these crazed liberals out there pounding on doors of the Senate or whatever it is, and you've got the media making out, them out to be heroes, I worry that that maybe does sway some votes. Yeah, I have no idea what's going to happen. I think I think uh, I have speculation. I think I have my personal opinions. And, you know, it was it was really good that I had this conversation with my progressive friend the other day because I was like, it's really interesting. You know, she has her sources. I have mine. Mm-hmm. And. I'm fairly confident I know more than she does because I read the news all day, every day. She, she doesn't do, she does as well because she also works in, in, in the industry in some capacity. But, I, but I'm thinking like, it, it, was, it was a healthy conversation for me especially because it, it challenged some of my biases. Oh, and I, yeah, I bet. I got to see, yeah, so that's, that's why I think the, the, the conversations are really important. And that's why I have a lot of respect for, uh, you know, there, there are a, a couple of progressives, a couple uh, leftist YouTubers that, I, that I, I do pop in time to time to, to watch, notably like David Pakman and Kyle Kalinske. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I think I know who Kyle is, yeah. Kyle's, I think Kyle's a rad dude. I think David does a good job. Um, I disagree with them sometimes. I think they get things wrong. Yeah. But I think it's important to, to you know, not just only watch one channel or, yeah. you know, read one story or whatever. So you got you to you do, uh, do the best you can. You know, Josh Marston said, I know that Ruth Bader Ginsburg dying is a big deal, but we must ask ourselves a bit, uh, a, a more important question. Have you pre-ordered a PlayStation 5? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm actually more more interested in pre-ordering the uh, uh, RTX 3080, you know, the, the graphics card, oh. than in the PlayStation 5. But uh, they're all sold out. I don't know if the PlayStation 5... I'm not super worried to get a PlayStation 5 on opening, you know, release day or whatever. Whatever, man. <laughs> if I get one, I get one. <laughs> but but the, the graphics card I need. Okay. And so, I don't know if you know the story, but people used bots to buy... So the new graphics card comes out. Yeah. It's like really, really... It's really good. It's 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 fairly uh, cost-effective for a lot of people. It's like 700 bucks for, for like the best graphics card. Yeah. And people used bots to buy them all out. No way. And so now regular... No one can get them because people were buying like 40 at a time and then putting them on eBay for two grand. Yeah, exactly. And that bothers me because I'm like, I actually need one for video editing. Right. And now, you know, can't get one. But I'm not. I'm not crying about it. So you know. Drew, are you buying one? I don't think I'm buying one. Yeah, okay. A PlayStation Five or <laughs> yeah. a no, graphics card. I, I was gonna say I don't think I'm buying either of those things. <laughs> actually, I gotta be honest. So let's say um, Gitchy Boy says was checking in a contractor at work. Some regular dude who doesn't know me, and he comes up to me talking about how much he's tired of rioters and establishment Democrats. I hear that man. That's the other thing too. Rioters. Like, there's <laughs> been so much good literature about how like violent riots turn off normal people which again like one plus one is two like these are the sort of really really simple non-political things that like I hey know. if you're if you live in the suburbs and you're like hey my favorite restaurant in the city that we go to a couple times a month just got its windows broken in eh, yeah i don't like that 
People don't like riots. Yeah. Who'd have thought? Yeah. Shocking, and, right? And the, it, there's no escape. I think when Trump enters that debate and he looks at Joe Biden and says, your staff bailed these people out, what's Joe Biden going to say? Nothing. Oh, well, the debates won't happen. But if they did, <laughs> if, if they did, you don't think I'll, so? I'll go on the record. And, uh, yeah. Well, what's oh, yeah. how, come on. They scheduled them. What's going to happen? I don't know. I just I, I can feel it in my bones. I, it's almost conspiratorial. I have no facts, no evidence. But I do have all the screenshots for all the people who said very loudly that they have to happen. You so, and the screenshots. Just wait. Man. Just wait. I'll Unless for some reason Joe Biden can't do it and Kamala Harris becomes the actual Wouldn't candidate. Wouldn't that be interesting? Then it would happen. Or wouldn't, like, if how, coronavirus how? is bad in whatever area is, like, it spikes a week or two before or something. I don't know, man. I get, <laughs> I get I'm getting conspiratorial but, here, but, but I don't buy if, that if, if it was Trump versus Kamala or even Pence Kamala, then Trump or Pence is going to say, you solicited donations for the rioters. That's a good point. End of story. But she's just so much sharper on her feet than Biden. Oh, of course, I mean. of course, of course. But it's, you're right. It's, it's, a, it's an incredible... But she's still really bad. Like, yeah, you know, w- when she, it was really transparent when she was going in the, up in the debates against Biden. And yeah. it was like really obvious. She was like, you know, hold on, Joe. And it's like, we get it. You're criticizing Joe Biden. You've, you're, you, you sound like you're a, a, pull, a doll with like someone pulling the cord in your back and a recording is coming yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. That's, it's, it's, just, it's, it's so true. It's so true. It, it, she's just so inauthentic that she can't escape like even by even by politician standards right i'm not holding <laughs> yeah. a high bar here like i like even from even from a former attorney general of california turned senator low bar for what right. it takes yeah. to be authentic she doesn't clear it and quite frankly i don't think she comes all that close all right so uh haywood says uh, uh i can't read your full name dude <laughs> dems can't filibuster Sen- uh, senator schumer use the nuclear option when he has a simple majority the republicans said that they would live to regret it guess what grab your ankles lefties this is a oh, very oh, good point. Oh, family friendly. <laughs> so let's see. Uh, Cora, uh, let's see. Corazon says, my aunt has pancreatic stage four cancer. I do not wish that nonsense on anyone. I did not like her. Yeah, it hurts the family. Yeah, yeah. man, for yeah. sure. Yep. Let's see. Mr. BH1987 says, went to private university for two years, cost for 60K. Thankfully, only paying 20K after scholarships. Now paid 15k for two years trade school, and I'll be making more money and enjoying my job. Community college and trade schools are the way. Yep. Here, here. Did you know you don't need a high school diploma to go to community college? I didn't know that. You can get an associate's degree with no high school diploma or GED. No kidding. And then with an associate's degree, you can go to a, a four-year college and finish out your four-year degree. Amazing. I was not aware of that. Yeah. We need. We obviously we didn't have time to talk about this tonight, but I think there is a crisis in terms of too many people who shouldn't go to traditional four-year oh, schools. Totally. Yes. Going to four-year schools, and we need we need so that's the solution to the student debt crisis. Is we just need fewer people racking up enormous amounts of debts, getting a degree they don't need, and then they get out and they're like, I have no job, and well, then what do I do? If we reduce the number of people who went to those schools, we would also decrease the number of people looking for those jobs, which would wa- raise the wages of everyone and right. like balance out the way right. it should have been before. Yeah. And bring down the cost they can possibly charge exactly. people. Of a course. A lot of second yeah. and third order benefits. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it is 10.03, so we're going to start winding it down. Do you want to mention your uh, social media real quick before we go? Yeah, yeah, happy to. So um, throw me a follow if you like or want to hate follow, whatever you want to do. It's Drew Holden 360, best place to find me. Uh, I write a little bit on the side too, and you can usually find me there or find me at The Resurgent. Yeah, so I actually have used a couple of your threads. You do great breakdowns of a lot of topical issues. So uh, if you enjoyed what he had to say, then follow him on Twitter at Drew Holden 360. That's it. There it is. And of course, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Parlor at TimCast. And you can check out my other YouTube channels where I put up content basically every hour of the day. You can go to YouTube.com slash TimCast and YouTube.com slash TimCast News. I have too many YouTube channels because you're on YouTube.com slash TimCast IRL. Isn't that funny? <laughs> and of course, you can follow at Sour Patch Lids. That's Sour Patch L-Y-D-S on Twitter and Parlor. We do the show Monday through Friday live at 8 p.m. Unless, of course, I work too much and have to go to like the dentist or something and then I can't do it. <laughs> 
I'm, I, I work 16 hours a day. It's ridiculous. I kind of, kind of think we got to figure something out because I, I have no time to go to the bank. I can't go to the oh, DMV. Yeah. yeah. And so working straight through the day nonstop. And then as soon as we wrap up, we got to drive for three hours. So it's just uh, it's work, 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 work. God bless you guys. But yeah. it's fun, man. We had a, this is a great conversation. I, I say, really thank you for having me on, man. This was this was yeah, an absolute blast, you guys. Yeah, absolutely, man. Appreciate it. So uh, uh, make sure you subscribe. Make sure you smash that like button on your way out. Any extra super chats greatly appreciated. Help support the show. And we're gonna have clips from the show up all throughout the next day. And uh, yeah, we'll see you Monday live at eight p.m. Thank you so much for hanging out. We'll see you then. Bye guys. Bye guys.